So Rich Bickle, super fan. Uh, Dale Earnhardt's one and only catering customer. PKO factory driver. And Howard Stern's lookalike. <laughs> Boris said, if you could describe your dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Bullshit. <laughs> pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Yeah. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder radio. Welcome to another episode of Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. And I'm Sean Heckman. And over the course of the last year, we decided that we would just go ahead and make an Amazon Prime TV show. So right now, available on Amazon Prime are six episodes of our TV show named exactly like the podcast. And we just kind of bounced around the country over the last six months, did 15,000 miles. And when we were getting the TV show stuff, we said, hey, you know what? Why don't we also try to get podcasts? Because our fans and listeners have given us the opportunity to make a TV show. We can't forget about them when it comes to the podcast. So when we were in California, one of the names that's come up a million times on our website, on Twitter, and of course doesn't even need to be recommended, was the one, the only, Mr. Boris Said. Boris Said. Boris is one of the most popular names in North American road racing over the last 20 years. He's raced everything from Trans Am to sports cars, prototypes, GT, doesn't matter. He was good in all of it. And then he very famously became one of the first big road course ringers that would go over and do the NASCAR road courses and the different levels of those series. Boris is also known as a bigger than life personality and he has amazing hair. So on National Ugliest Dog Day, uh, we headed down to uh, Del Mar, California, where we ate at Taste of Thai, which was actually one of the better Thai restaurants I've ever been to. Yeah, I think I had the Pad Thai, chicken Pad Thai, and you had... I, uh, they totally made a specialty sandwich, and I did not have the Pad Thai with chicken. So, some of the things you're going to learn about in this episode include interrupting your buddy with twins. Uh, about 30 different fight stories. About 35 different Tom Milner stories. Also how to run a car dealership because yeah, the dude's got some car dealerships. So if you're down in Southern California in the Carlsbad area. Or buy an Acura somewhere nearby. Speaking of Acuras, uh, yeah. hey, our uh, Acura MDX would not have made it down there if we didn't have somebody driving us because we we're way too good to drive ourselves. So we had uh, our legal counsel and driver, Mr. Michael Avenatti, take us there. I'm Michael Avenatti, and I'm totally driving this Acura MDX right now. And of course, uh, this Acura would not have made it if we didn't have four perfectly inflated tires. And what were those, Ryan? Those would be the Continental Tires. Cross Contact LX Sport. Or said, my hero. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Hey, going brother, on. how are you? Welcome. Doing all right? It's good, good to see you again. You guys doing well? Hey. Yeah, we nice just got here. We're good. Yeah. yeah. How about it? So, coming straight from the dealership? Yep. Yeah? Did we cut you off of work early, or would you have been there? Uh, no, I would have been coming home now. Okay. Yeah, we got a big grand opening Friday, so Mr. Hendrick's coming out. Oh, the cool. BMW's coming out, his whole team, so right. it's kind of a big deal. That probably works out since they're racing at Sonoma this weekend, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah he's doing a big grand opening at our store. We, you know, we built a new facility four months ago. We moved in, Yeah. and then he built a new one up in Pleasanton, so he's doing both grand okay. openings. Nice. And you say you're Open. out of town after today. Is that because you're going up north? 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to go up north. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Very cool. So how many dealerships are you involved with now? I own two. Okay, so you've got the BMW in Marietta. And a Volkswagen right next to it. And are they all Hendrick affiliated? Yes. Oh, awesome. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I like well, that. A good guy to learn from. Exactly. Yeah. Good partner. Yeah. yeah. You um, probably have the most people that have ever given us stories on before. Right. Like everybody we texted, like, hey, you got a good boar story? There was like six responses from each person. Right. So that either means you just don't care and they know it, or you just got a lot of dirt out there. I, I think I've had a lot of fun. I mean, I've <laughs> raced a long time, over 30 years, so yeah. Yeah, I got lucky. You know, I, I, you know, when I started, I never thought it would go more than a year. Yeah. You know, and every year it went, you're like, man, I think I can get one more year. And it was always like, every time I had a ride, I thought it was going to be the last ride. Sure. Yeah. We're torn with you because there's a difference between, like, bio stuff that some people may not know and then just shit we want to hear about. Right. right. Um, most people with, that listen to us usually know, especially sports car guys, they usually know the background so we're not going to worry too much about like so tell us about your 1988 season like, right good because right. um, i forgot <laughs> <laughs> i would say chris willis actually said ask him how he got into racing and driving the corvette challenge so it must be a story there well yeah i mean i i didn't know crap about racing you know and I, I went to a race and um i actually i mean if i go back that, that story is kind of funny i mean i grew up riding motorcycles racing motocross and you know in my spare time, I worked at a motorcycle dealership, right? And then during high school, it was full-time. And I went from there to buy my own dealership. And I was the youngest Honda Yamaha franchise dealer in the country at 21. And the problem was I had enough money to buy the dealership, but I didn't have enough money to uh, – I, I didn't have any credit. So I couldn't get the credit line with American Honda Finance and Yamaha was ITT to floor plan the, the stuff. So a friend of mine's father owned a Lincoln Mercury dealership, and uh, a Ford dealership too, and he became my fake partner. You know, he he was always buying parts from me when I was a little kid, 14 years old, parts manager working in a motorcycle shop. So he was kind of a fan. So I made him a fake partner to use his credit to get the dealership, and I gave him two two I gave him two dirt bikes for his kids racing that year, and he thought that was pretty cool. So one day he goes, Hey, I got this trip, Ford trip to the Detroit Grand Prix Formula One race. You want to go? I'm like, Nah, fuck that. You know, racing's racing's boring. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't, watch, I don't even yeah. watch it on TV. You know, I was right. motocross, motocross, motocross. Did you come from, like, your dad raced, didn't he? He raced, but, you know, but my dad left when I was six, and I never knew him. Oh, interesting. So I, I, I didn't, didn't really know, okay. know much about it and okay. care. Didn't, didn't even watch it on TV. If it came on TV, I would just turn the channel. Like, well, they're going around in circles. What's was that big just deal? It was boring, or cause he, like, was that like a somewhat dad resentment and all that? No, no dad resentment. Just, I was into motorcycles and no, dirt bike, motocross yeah, yeah. racing. And yeah. it was around here, and, right? And it looked boring. It was in Connecticut. Oh, interesting. I grew up in Connecticut. So... So this guy, he finally talked to me. He goes, just go on this trip. You know, everything's paid for. It's first-class tickets, a nice Renaissance hotel. Yeah. You know, I'm like, uh, okay. So I took the weekend off. And me and my buddy, we went. And as soon as we walked out on the terrace in the Renaissance, looking down, Ayrton Senna was driving that Black Lotus. Yeah. And the sound, I was like, fuck, I got to get a Formula One car. <laughs> I mean, that's all I was thinking in my mind. That's right. the coolest thing in the world. I need a friend with a so, higher credit rating. So we're walking around, we're walking around the, the pits and stuff, and – and I ran into Bob Sharp. And I knew Bob Sharp because there was a big power outage, and I was the only person with generators, and I sold him a generator for his dealership. Wow. Right? So yeah. he walked by me, and he goes, Boris said, what are you doing here? I go, oh, it's my first car race, man. This is cool. Yeah. I go, hey, where do I get a Formula One car? I want to buy one. <laughs> like, the stupidest question in the world, right? Right, right, right. But, you know, I just didn't know. Yeah. So he actually yeah. sat me down for like a half hour and started telling me about, you got to get an SCCA, yeah. you know, go to the Skip Barber driving school, right. then buy a showroom stock car and start there. I'm like, okay, 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 but how much is the Formula One car? And he goes, just do all that first, <laughs> and then, you know, we'll talk again later. <laughs> so literally right after that, I went and 
and literally went to the SCCA. You know, I went to Skip Barber, mm -hmm. you know, and never drove a go-kart in my life, yeah. nothing. You know, here I am, you know, 22 years old, like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Right. I was a complete idiot at the school. <laughs> uh, just looking back at what I was doing, donuts and sliding it around, and like, this is, like, crazy. Right. And I remember right after school was over, I, I go up to the instructor, and I go, hey, man, I want to be a professional race car driver. What do I do next? And he just looked at me, and he goes, OSB. Oh, his hand on wow. my shoulder. I'm like, what is, is that like a book or a tape? What is that? And he goes, other sports beckon. Right. He goes, trust me, you don't have the money. You don't have the talent. You're too old. And I'm like, ah, oh, f*** him. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I go, but how much is a Formula One car? Right. I keep asking that question to people. To do here. And, 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 you know, that's Mike Zemicki. He's still doing the same thing, you know, 30 years later. Wait, wait. Mike Zemicki yep. called yep. you, like, said you didn't have the talent? Yep. Nice. And, and man, it, it's just, I was driven at that time. And literally... I sold my business a year later and bought a car and just started racing. And I did like three races all alone. And then I, I bought a Corvette Challenge, all the same cars. You know, so I bought one of those, financed it. I had my little box van, open trailer, and went around the country alone. And just, you know, I'd drive up to the pit lane and I'd have a five-gallon bucket of tools, you know, and an old compound bucket and just put it on the pit lane. And my, you know, guys like Petey Cunningham had their big teams. And, you know, that's where I met all these guys. <laughs> and I was just a one-man band and knew nothing about it. But Just real quick. So, Zemicki, where are you with him now? Like, if you see him, are you just laughing at him? Or did you guys ever squash that? No, we're always <laughs> friends. But I, I know he looks at me a little funny and I look at him a little funny. Right? <laughs> but we still have respect for each other. Right. But right. I remember one time we were at uh, – we we're at um, St. Pete Grand Prix, and uh, and I was helping out Tom Milner. I was talking. I met him in Corvette Challenge, and I kept saying, "Hey, let me drive your GTP car. Let me drive your GTP car." I just kept bugging him and bugging him, like, bugging I've him. I've done like, a couple of club races. I mean, already. like I almost yeah. asked him a thousand times. Yeah, and yeah. He used to turn and run when I'd come up to him. Right. I can see this. And finally, one day he goes, "Okay, boy, if you show up." And I'm going to work you, I am going to work you like my slave at the races, all weekend long at the races. And then after the race, we're going to go to Savannah and test, and I might let you drive a couple laps. Okay, I'll go. And so I, that was the first time I ran to Mike Zemicki, and it was a couple years into racing. I did a few Firehawk races. I was just kind of come up the ranks, and we ran into each other. He goes, what are you doing here? I go, oh, I'm going to drive that car on Monday. And he looked at me and kind of laughed and walked away. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I never forgot that. So we, we, it's a mandatory thing we have to do. We have to stop what you're doing and point out that your true racing beginnings yep. began on a con. Yeah. Yeah. Which is 100% of the people that yeah, we meet. Yeah, you're right on board Every, with everybody Everybody's else. career started on some sort of lie, yeah. fake partner, <laughs> fake hard card, whatever oh, it is. Well, if you want to so. know how I started racing, I mean, I literally, I got my SCCA license. I bought a showroom stock Mustang. You know, I went and did one. My, this is my first six races. I did one SCCA regional. And then it was late in the year, so the next race was a national. So I just showed up with my novice logbook, you know. I did the school. I did the double regional. I had my novice logbook. And they're like, oh, you can't race. There's a national. You've got to do it if you're, if you're <laughs> short. And they turned me away, and I couldn't believe it. So off I went home. And then two weeks later, there was a race in Summit Point, West Virginia. So I'm like, hmm. I just looked in the back of my SCCA magazine. I wrote in a bunch of races, signed them all off. <laughs> I showed up at Summit Point at a national, and I, I had I, I had like four races in yeah, my right. logbook, you know, just faked them back there and there. And, and this, I forget the name of the register. She was a real old lady at the time. I mean, she was like in her 80s. And, man, I begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded, and she finally, okay, you can race. And then I did that national. The next race I did, there was a six-hour escort pro race. And I'm like, Six hours, shit. that's a lot of driving. I'm going to do that. What do I need? 
and I made like a fuel rig out of a barrel, and <laughs> I show up at Road Atlanta not knowing what to expect, yeah. right? I wrote down a fake name for a driver. Yeah. I wrote in three SCCA nationals. Oh, well, right, yeah. Backdated yeah, them. Right, yeah. Still had the logbook, everything, and showed up there and talked Charlie Irwin and let me drive. Nice. Right? And I had this box truck, open trailer, my Mustang, and I had two derelicts helping me. Right. And literally, <laughs> I did the whole six-hour race myself. Yeah. And I got out once and swapped the tires with a T-handle. Right. And did the whole six hours. And right. I did two races like that in 1987. We heard Escort this. Yeah, we, that yeah. was one of the stories we were told to ask about. They were, your own tire it, was, it was a blast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jumped out. Yeah. And at the last race was at Sebring in six-hour. And I remember, you know, I kind of got down pretty good where I'd come in. You know, my two guys were fueling when they weren't stoned or drinking. And I get out and swap the tires, you know, with my T-handle. And on my last stop, I come in. It was like four hours into the race. I come in, and all these saline guys jump over the wall, and they start changing the tires. Right. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And my guy goes, hey, they, they, they really need the points, you know, the Ford points for manufacturers. And they're helping out. But they don't want you to get disqualified by running the whole race, so they want to put one of their drivers in. Okay. And I'm like, oh. Well, tell them thanks for the tires, but no, I'm driving. That's the whole reason I'm here. No chance. And it, it was some guy, I didn't even know who it was. You know, I was just like waving at him like, thanks. Yeah, beat it. And off I went. And the Porsche team didn't disqualify me. They could have easily protested right. me, but they didn't. They took the loss. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I finished all six hours. Brakes on the metal, you know, barely got to yeah. the end. Yeah. So, yeah, doing your own stop. Doing my own stop. And then that's when after that year, so I, I literally did five races that year total right. from the school to the to the two regionals yeah. to the two nationals or one national and then two pro races yeah and then the next year i did the corbett challenge so. and you're all self-financed at this point obviously. oh yeah all self-financed now are you first in, year. are you in debt or are you making just enough with the dealership no to be able to make i sold work? a dealership to go racing to go racing okay. to go racing okay. i sold it basically it was a honda yamaha dealership and i sold it and i figured after that you know i was kind of like a young phenom and in 1988, they couldn't give away a Harley-Davidson dealer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Harley right. was going to set me up at this whole deal and yeah. found the building. And I was going to do it for a year and come back and, and open up a Harley store. Okay. You know, sold my so thing, bought okay. my mom a house, had some money. So I spent it on racing right. and thought, all right, I'm going to come back and do this. And then I just said, man, I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I can't do it part-time, so I got to yeah. just keep working at it full-time. And, you know, just kept doing the showroom stock thing and, you know, getting rides. And it's worked out. And somehow you're here. Somehow I'm here. <laughs> like three different people told us to ask about this, and I think the timeline kind of adds up with PTG, or at least with the first interaction with Tom Milner. Right. So how does that story go? Well, true story. I mean, during the Corvette Challenge, you know, Tom Milner had a big team. Tom Gloy had a big team. And these are all guys eventually I ended up driving for. Mm -hmm. Because I used to go up and take their old tires, I would take their parts that they were throwing out, yeah. and I would use them, right? So they were all thought I was just kind of they, – they were laughing, basically. Right. I mean. But they were, got, got a little bit of respect, and I got a couple podiums. And um, so after the last race, I was driving back from St. Petersburg, you know, all alone, and I was tired. It was like 2 in the morning. I pull off the exit in Winchester, drive down the road. There's a Ford dealership. So I drive behind it, you know, I have my box truck, and I hook the hose up, and I'm taking a shower, you know, trying to wake up and clean up. It was hot. I had no air conditioning. Right. And um, a cop rolls in. He goes, what are you doing? I go, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm taking a shower. <laughs> goes, you can't do that here. you got to get out of here. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So, I mean, I was tired. So I literally got in the truck, turned right. Next parking lot, I turned in, went behind the building, parked, and just fell asleep. Yeah. And I wake up in the morning, and it was Tom Milner's race shop. I mean, by luck. <laughs> wow. I had no random. idea. Yeah. Totally random. And he's just, like, kicking me. He goes, boy, what are you doing here, boy? And I'm like, 
I was like dreaming. Oh, Wait, so you're like you're asleep in your own box truck. Yeah. And you're you're, you're about six foot fourteen. Yeah. And yeah. so like in the front you, seat. Yeah, about to say you're like over feet my sticking feet out up, the window. Right. Yeah. Also yeah. you're randomly in a parking lot against the guy that you race against. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which was crazy. Yeah. I mean, and he was just like, What are you doing in here? So I came in and we started BSing, you know, and yeah. and so that's when the whole thing came up to drive the GTP car. Right. You know, so we get to Savannah and they were doing a test for Scott Sharp. You know, and I was just a crew guy. Yeah. yeah. And Scott Sharp, you know, he goes, I remember he got in the car and he goes, well, what should I do? He goes, you're a driver, boy. Just go drive it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and, you know, he drove, 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 drove. Yeah. Right before lunch, he goes, okay, I'm going to let you drive, boy. And I'm not going to change the seat. I'm not going to change anything. You, you have to fit. Yeah. With Scott Sharp. And so I get in the <laughs> thing and, man, my knees are against my face. Yeah, and I'm just right. sitting in it like, all I've ever driven is a showroom stock car. Right. This is a V8 GTP car. Yeah. Because this would have been the <laughs> Corvette. He, yeah. Uh, yeah. But did he look, it was a Spice. Oh, okay. It was a Spice. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. And he looks in and he goes, if you wreck it, I'll kill you. If you put a wheel off, I'll kill you. If you do anything, I'll kill you. <laughs> That's what he told me. I'm like, okay. So I get out. I start driving around. And the first lap, I go, I go by. I come back to the second lap. And they're waving at me. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're waving at. I'm, like, well, I'm not coming in. Yeah, right. This thing is the this fastest is the thing I've ever yeah. driven. Yeah. Finally, I come around. They're all in the track, mocking <laughs> me, and it was running on seven cylinders. Oh, I had no idea. How did you know? Right? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. It felt fast. So they yelled at me. They got in. The plug wire came off. They fixed it, and off I went. I did like five laps, and they said, "Okay, you're done." And I came in. I get out, and they go, "For a can driver, you're pretty fast." Huh. That's what he said. How yeah, nice of you. Too bad you don't have any money. <laughs> And so I went faster than Scott Sharp. Oh. Had no idea. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's it with Tom Milner, right? Right. Gone. Right. And I didn't hear from him. And then a year later, it was before Daytona, he got the, the BMW deal to do, you know, come back to racing in the States. Yeah. He had a couple of cars and he called me up. And he goes, hey, boy, <laughs> I want you to drive for Daytona with me. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Are you going to pay me? He goes, no, uh-huh. I'm not going to pay you. He goes, but if you do this, I'll always remember it. And so that was our first race together. And then, you know, I raced for him for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Yeah, right. You know, and he paid us. And yeah, right. It was a, it was a great deal. He was like he was like a dad to me, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. fired me five or six times over the years. We did fights like father and son fights. Yeah. But, you know, it was a great. It was a, he was great, great to drive for. And during that, he let me drive NASCAR and Trans Am and. Like would yeah. let you go do other stuff. We do other stuff. Yeah. And still let me. Sh- he let me show up on Sunday and do warm up and start the race. You know, he, <laughs> he was pretty lenient, which yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, because yeah. he's not known for being yeah. the easiest guy to work with as a driver. He is not. He's yeah. not the easiest guy to work with. But I mean, he's very passionate and he mm-hmm. runs a great program. Right. And, you know, we had a lot of good years. Well, his success is like. Yeah. You know, we won totally. a lot of races. I'm wondering if you guys get along because you don't seem to give a shit about anything. <laughs> and he's one of those guys that like you could be Michael Schumacher and he's like, I don't care. You got to do the job. Is that where the relationship comes from? Yeah, I think there's a lot of trust there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a lot of respect for the guy. And, you know, we had a lot of fights, but they were always, you know, constructive fights. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of stories about that. <laughs> and um, But, yeah, I mean, he, he ran a great program. And it was that was my big break, basically, mm-hmm. you know, where I got a steady paycheck every year, tied to a manufacturer, which, you know, eventually led me to owning a BMW franchise. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good deal. Damn good deal. So, that yeah. was the highest paid BMW driver ever, really, if you think of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Montoya probably did pretty well. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably he did pretty well, too. Um, does any Is there a fight that sticks out specifically? You know, with another driver? No, no, no with, with, with Tom Milner. Sr. We had a couple of good ones. One of the best ones was the two best, the top two, was <laughs> – the first year we had the GTRs, you know, those really trick cars with yeah. the flat crank. I mean, we barely got any practice in them. 
uh, you know, one time I remember I remember um, Hans and I started or Hans I started Hans's car and and um, Bill started or I forget who Bill was driving with that year, but they were both getting in second and we're at Sears Point and a yellow came out at like 45 minutes in and I'm like, hey, we're going to pit, right? No, we're not going to pit. I go, but what if there's not another yellow? I go, if there's not another yellow, it's just one stop, quick fuel, you won't need tires. We should stop. Yeah. And he's like, boy, <laughs> if you want to do the pit stops, you can come here and do the pit stops. If you want to do the driving, you can just sit there and shut up and listen to what we say, like something like that. Yeah, right. And I'm like, man, we should really pit. And I was running like first or second. And I go, on pit road. And, you know, that's a long pit <laughs> oh, road at yeah. Sears Point. Yeah. Oh. And, man, was he yelling at me. Yeah. Yelling at me like you can't believe on the way in. <laughs> But they were all getting ready. And, you know, we unbuckle, get out. But sure enough, luckily, I would have got fired that day. Yeah. But it went all green. Yeah. And we did a quick stop. We won by a mile. Me right. And right. So after he wasn't that mad, but he was still mad. <laughs> but the best one ever was at Portland that same year when we were really battling with Schnitzer real hard. Yeah. You know, they had two GTRs. Yeah. We had two GTRs. Those were the V8 M3s, V8 basically, M3s. that nobody saw coming. They were right. the coolest cars ever. They were on Mish. We were on Yoko. Yeah. So maybe at a little disadvantage. And, um, and, and that, you know, we used to always, in warm and warm-up, scuff our tires. Mm-hmm. You know, and those would be our tires that go on. Hans started the race, and Bill started the other car. And, you know, Bill, something happened, crashed or something, lost, something had, had to keep coming in pitting. So mm-hmm. he was coming in all the time, putting tires on every time he pitted to fix something. Right. And so Hans is running around fifth or something, and he's, we're like five minutes away from pitting, and I see him roll my scuffs off and roll stickers on. So I get up, and I go to Tom. I go, hey, what's the deal? Why, why, where are my scuffs? Bill says stickers are faster. So mm-hmm. we're putting stickers on. I go, well, what the f***? Every race, we put fucking scuffs on. Right. You know, I want my scuffs. You'll sit down and shut up. And I was like, <laughs> and I got mad. And I just sat down like big, I don't care. Yeah. Right. And I sat down. But then Cheech, the yoke yeah, right, guy, yeah. leaned over. And he was asking me, what's going on? And I was like, ah, nothing. Tom wants to run stickers, blah, blah, blah. But Tom thought I was bitching him. So he right. got off the pit box and came down and started yelling at me. So I started yelling at him. And. <laughs> And Hans was coming in that last, and we're poking each other in the chest. You yeah. know what you're talking about, yeah. old man. We're yelling at each other and fighting. And, the, and all of a sudden, he goes, ah, fine. You have your scuffs. You can have your fucking scuffs. And he, right. he, he puts the tires there, and all the crew. And Hans is coming down the long pit road. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all worked up. And the crew guys are like, oh, my God. He shouldn't even get in the car. They just had this massive <laughs> right, fight. Right, right, right. Boom, I get in the car, and we had the race of our life, and we beat Schnitzer and won the race. Yeah. And so after the race, <laughs> Tom comes up to me and goes, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll admit it. Here's $100. I want you to get a dinner tonight on me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Okay, yeah. 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 At so, least he's willing to own up to well, it. We had a lot yeah. of those. A lot of times yeah. I was wrong, and sometimes he was wrong. But, right. But, <coughs> I mean, those were some of the best years racing. What years were those cars? That's like 04, 03? Mm. I think that was 01, maybe. Okay, yeah. so, like, you're an adult by this point. Yeah, you're, you're well, kind of. You're not still, like, well, by, by numbers. By numbers. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. not like a 12 or you know 15-year-old kid or something. No. And you guys are having this argument on pit lane. Like, if you're well, Tom Jr., for example, Milner well, Jr. Tom Jr. was there that day. Yeah, he was a little kid. Right. He was, like, He's nine years, ten years old. like, what is this? Yeah. You know? Well. <laughs> well, so here's the other thing. It's like, I don't know how much of your sort of your savings you'd spent in trying to make it as a racer, but this is your employment now. At no point are you like, I might talk myself out of a job and I don't care. I didn't care. You know, I just, when I, I'm that way now, if I believe it, I mean, I do what I think's right all the time. Yeah. Not political. I don't care. It's the way I run my business. It's the way I run everything. What, I mean, 
you know what's what is with me. I mean, if I say it, that's what I believe. Yeah. I don't bullshit anybody. So, yeah. So, and I mean, it was a hindrance, and, you know, like, I was never a Chevy guy. Probably for that reason. Right? I kept trying to always get the Chevy Trans Am ride, the yeah. tryout. Never, ever. Couldn't even get in there, right? right? Right, You know, they probably didn't like the long hair, whatever it was. Never, never, never could I get in until they one year when they wanted Dale Jr. to drive. Mm-hmm. Right? So Dale Jr. will say, Dale Jr., we drive an LMS race. He goes, I'll do it on one condition. And they're like, what? I get to drive with Boris. Oh, wow. And so I got to tag along with him, you know, do the one race at Sears so, Point. Yeah. And it was probably one of the highest paying gigs I ever had right. because I said, I want the same merchandise rights as Junior has. So I made a ton of money on the die cast. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, Good call. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when we went and tested, you know, all the Chevy guys came. And that's when I would give them the riot act, you know. Yeah. You guys, most American brand. I go, but you guys are so stupid. You have all these Europeans driving your cars. You should have f-ing Americans in your cars. <laughs> well, we're on the subject. It's an American we just had brand. This yeah. It's bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You guys are preach. Because I knew they couldn't fire me because right. I, <laughs> I was, I was getting that junior. race no matter what. So yeah. I go, you know what? I'm going to pave the way for the next American. Yeah. And I go, it's bullshit, you guys. You guys have two Americans in one car. Yeah. Like BMW always had. Right. They always had at least two Americans. I use the BMW ride all the time to say, how does the BMW team yeah. have more American drivers than the Ford or the Corvette team? Right. How does that happen? Right. I go, look, Oliver Gavin, great guy. Yeah, they're But all great. nobody in America cares about him. Right. Put two Americans in there and... Hype up how they're racing against the Europeans. I go, I hate soccer. I don't watch it. Yeah. But when the American women won the first World Cup, I watched every minute exactly. of it. I was like, exactly. yeah, they beat the Europeans. Yeah. <laughs> right. I go, so why don't you guys do that with your racing? Yeah. yeah. You know, it should be America against the world, but they're stupid. Corvette, stupid. Meanwhile, there's a mechanic like, right. cool, so can I change the diff now? Or? <laughs> right. Right. So right. the race uh, didn't go good because, unfortunately, yeah, Dale got hurt in warm-up. Up, right. and that was a crazy thing yeah, too but we never awesome. raced but we had a lot of fun up until then yeah critical very very probably the most important question we're going to ask in this <laughs> entire dinner um how were you with the fact that johnny O was a second quicker than you johnny O. johnny O'Connell. In, the, uh, in the corvette i don't even remember <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> well, they were actually teammates at daytona once uh, in a riley and scott mustang i believe it was oh we were yeah you and johnny O. Oh. So, so that must have been tough being a second weirdly you don't remember him being a second quicker than you i don't remember i don't uh, even remember ever driving with him to be honest with you, <laughs> not as a teammate. I mean, he was driving the Corvette. The other, well, I think one of the other Corvettes, right? Right, right. But right. a second faster. Yeah, than you. but you don't remember that. I don't remember that. I, I don't remember how fast I was or slow I was. <laughs> like, that was yeah. a long. T- that was a lot of concussions ago. Right. It's yeah. a running joke because oh, he we he did on. one with us, and every story somehow ended with him being a second faster. Oh, really? No matter so what it was. Whenever Johnny O comes up or anything related to Johnny O, we bring that up but in I, what, every episode. What I will tell you about Johnny O is I got hurt really bad testing for Panos at Road Atlanta one year. After I won the Trans Am Championship, he was going to hire me to drive that front engine Panos. Mm-hmm. And I had a big crash. The LMP the bridge, car, right? Yep. Yeah. And broke a half shaft, backed it in the bridge, 67G impact, fractured my skull. Jesus. Woke up in the emergency room in, you know, Gainesville, Georgia, right. which is a Gaines, dump. Vegas. Oh, yeah. yeah it's nice. <laughs> you got to get out of there. And he, he came and he came and made sure I was good. Johnny he, O did. He was, Johnny yeah. O did. Yeah, he's cool. a good guy. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really cool he did that. Yeah. I, I think actually. So he could have been a second faster than me. I didn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chris yeah. Willis actually told us to ask about that Panos crash. I didn't yeah. even realize you had driven that car because that's the LMP car. And you had driven the Panos Trans Am car right. the championship. That so season. that's why he gave me that test. And I didn't fit in the thing. But, right. Right. You know, and, and he offered me a ride, but he was going to pay me like nothing. Sure. And I kind of got mad at him. I called Don Panos the dumbest billionaire I ever met. Because 
you know, that year I won the Trans Am Championship. He wanted to put his name, my name on that streetcar, that, yeah. that piece of junk. Esperante. And I'm like, sorry, not, no can do. <laughs> you know, that thing's junk. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and then he, after I wrecked his car, he was still going to hire me. You know, and I knew what he was paying David Brabham. And I'm like, right. why, why would I take that when I make more money driving with BMW? I mean, yeah, right. that's a GT car, big deal. But yeah. I like your car. It's cool, and I'd love to do it, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I told him, I think you're the dumbest billionaire I ever met. <laughs> I don't know how many people ever told him that. Was that before or after you destroyed his car? That was after. <laughs> that was after. But, you know, it was funny. I gave Don Panos his first taste of motorsports. Okay. You know, because I raced for Roush in 95. Yeah. And at the end of the year, Roush used to go to road Atlanta. Roush with, days. Roush days. Yeah. And so I, I, they put Panos in my car. Yeah. And I gave him a ride in the Trans Am oh, car. Oh, no way. And yeah. after that, he went full bore. I mean, and yep. he did a lot for racing. I oh, mean, yeah, he, for sure. He saved it. You know, he saved yeah. sports car racing in America. So, yeah. yeah, he was a cool guy that, in that respect. So I, I just saw this note that I forgot to ask about. So I've driven for PD for the last bunch of years, and we had him on the show. And one of the things he told me to ask you about, and I never heard this, was something about a paintball gun. <laughs> when we used to come out to California and see the No Fear guys, when, well, there was Life's a Beach at the time. One day they go, well, what should we do? And we go, and the guy goes, we should go paintball gun. Like, huh. So we go, and he goes, oh, here, take these sweatshirts. You got to wear a sweatshirt. And, you know, I had like a pink sweatshirt and a fluorescent green sweatshirt. <laughs> and we show up at Camp Pendleton, and they're all in camo and everything. <laughs> and they're all dead serious, these guys. Yeah, right. And we're in our pink sweatshirts walking out. And we just get these rental, car, rental guns. And I'm like, hmm. So Petey's walking in front of me. I thought, they can't hurt. And I shot him point blank <laughs> in the face. <laughs> he was pissed. I was going to say, yeah. He, he went right down to the ground that. and started swearing. And, and the guy threw him out. Because <laughs> he started. He goes, language. he goes, the guy was like, what are you doing? Swearing? He goes, look, if I'm looking at you, I'll be talking to you. Does it look like I'm talking to you? And the guy threw him right out. <laughs> and he had this big welt in his back. How bad could it hurt? <laughs> so you shot somebody point blank and he got kicked out. You no, know, I, I shot PD <laughs> right, point right. blank. Yeah, yeah. It seems like from the BMW's part until the rest of your driving career, you were able to, like, stay with the same kind of programs for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I was doing, like, Corvette stuff and, and Firehawk stuff, you know, early on. And then my big break really came, and I think it was, like, 1990. I was doing the 24 Hours of Daytona in a – or 91 in a, in a for Kim Baker in a Corvette. Okay. And we were sitting there, and PD was driving, too. Yeah. And uh, – these guys are looking at the fence. You know, I go, those guys look foreign or something. I go, yeah, yeah. And I go, I'm going to go over and talk to them. You always talk to everybody. So I went and talked to these guys. <coughs> One guy spoke English. The other guy, no English. And they were telling me that they were putting this Callaway Corvette together to race in, uh, it was probably 92. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, it was, ni- uh, no, it was 93, coming into the 93 season. So... So I, I started working them, like, man, I'd want to go to Europe and race, right, yeah. GT cars. And they're like, oh, you know, we got our driver. And I just like, no, I could go over there and test for you. I could be your guy. I could help your driver. And I was mm-hmm. doing everything I could to get over there. I mean, Trying to I took it, him yeah. to the Shark Lounge Strip Club. <laughs> I hung around him all weekend. Pour one out. And after, after the 24-hour, I called him and called him. I called Callaway to help me. And yeah. Callaway was like, no, no, they're just a customer. I, I have nothing to do with it. Right. And so – the series was the ADAC GT Championship, mm-hmm. and it was really cool. Like, I got looked online, and they had, you know, Ford Escorts and Porsches, a lot of factory teams. Right. And a couple races in, you know, they never called me, so I gave up on the idea. And then one weekend, at like, five, it was a Friday at, like, 5.30 in the morning, I get a call, and it's Reeves Callaway. He goes, hey, what are you doing? I go, hey, you know, you do not know what time it is in California? <laughs> like, what the <laughs> f- <laughs> And he goes, hey, remember those guys, Ernst? 
he goes, yeah, their driver just broke his hand at the track in, in Zolder, Belgium, and, and they want to know if you can come drive. I go, you know how much a ticket would cost? You're right, right. He goes, well, just see. And luckily I had a passport. And I literally go, call the airport. Yeah, there's a flight leaving at 730. It'll get there the next morning at 7, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I go, it's like $2,800. He goes, do it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I literally I told my girlfriend, hey, she was dead asleep. I'm going to Europe. Be back <laughs> next week. <laughs> she was asleep. I go over to uh, Mark Simo's house. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's in bed with twins. And I wake him wait, up. Wait, like, wait, 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 wait. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I got to say, because you know, we never lock our houses. So I go in. I'm like, you know, I, hey, bud, I'm, I'm, I'm going. Oh, nice, uh, nice look at you. I'm going to Europe. He's like, what? And I, off I went. Right. <laughs> I land in Frankfurt and I'm like, shit, I'm in Europe. Like, right, uh, right. Now what? I hope somebody's here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. And sure enough, this guy didn't speak English, had a sign. Got, get in the car and he's driving. We're driving like two hours as older, <laughs> not talking. I'm like, man, I'd like to stop for and a bag or something. You know? right, and right. you've never been to Europe. No. Like, yeah. The first and time we're landing on a plane in Belgium. We're literally driving to the track. This is Saturday now. Yeah. And as soon as I get out of the car, they're rushing me, rushing me, rushing yeah. me. Yeah, you got to get this, sign this, do this, right. do this. Qualifying's about to start. And I'm like, okay, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, and boom, I get out for the last 20 minutes of qualifying and qualify like 10th. Yeah. Never been to Well, you, Car, you never used drove. a simulator, right? You yeah, yeah right, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, and they were ecstatic, you know. Oh, okay, ecstatic. cool, yeah. Like, you know, 10th place, wow, this guy, you know, and everyone there thought a Corvette was like a pimp car. Like, okay. how could it drive against these cars? Yeah. And it was really cool because that weekend, I'm sitting in the pit box, you know, Sunday before the race, and I see this, you know, they were in the Formula One garages, and I see this crowd of people go by behind me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, what's that? That's crazy. What's going on there? And this guy, this German mechanic, goes, Schumacher's here. Uh, I'm like, oh. What? Yeah. I mean, like, Michael? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was here watching his brother, Ralph, because it was an off weekend. I go, oh, I'd like to meet him. So they set up a thing where I got to go meet, you know, oh, no, for sure. the race. Yeah. yeah. Totally cool guy. Yeah. You know, and I had these no fear stickers. And right as I met him, I slapped one on his chest and we took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that'll be $3 million, please. Yeah. He's like, what yeah. is this? Like, that's what we do in America. Well, it's not so much here. And you peeled it off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we already got, got we already got the photo. Yeah, yeah right. That right. Guy. Okay. It was pretty cool. So the race starts on Sunday. And I'm going up through the field. And I have a wicked fight with this guy, Klaus Nietzwitz, in a Ford Escort. Okay. And, man, he was blocking me, blocking me, blocking me. So finally, I cleaned him out. Cleaned his ass out. <laughs> Wrecked him. Mad. And so I got all the way up to like fifth. And the, the series, to equalize the cars, every car had 40 liters of fuel in it. Okay. Like in tech, they would pump it, yeah. put 40 liters in, keep a tech guy there with you until the start of the race. I ran out of gas like 200 yards before the finish. Oh, man. And I got out, and I'm trying to push it, but it's this long uphill right, thing. Right, and Guys were yelling at me in, you know, some language. I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got back in. They finally <coughs> towed me in the park for May. And there are all the people around, and the first guy coming running up to me was that Klaus Nietzwitz and his whole entourage yelling at me. And I'm like, hey, man, that's just hello from America. You know, don't <laughs> screw with me again. You know, next time I'll do it worse. Yeah. You know, just kind of laughing. And we ended up becoming really good friends after that. Oh, no way. And, uh, yeah. And, and then Michael Schumacher came up. Okay. And he goes, that was a really good race. You should be proud. And I thought that was really cool. That's, yeah, yeah my that is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So I was always a Michael Schumacher fan. Yeah, that way. That's yeah, awesome. That was man. cool. <laughs> Cleaned him out. Yeah. Cleaned him out. But that opened up the door. Then what happened was I never heard from those guys for like two races. Uh -huh. And then they called me and they go, man, we got so much press. It was so great. Right. Come and race. And, you know, so I started racing in Europe with them. And yeah. that was a lot of fun yeah, going yeah. to tracks like Spa and, you know, right. Suzuka and 
Yeah, all around. Yeah, you did Daytona with them too, right? Didn't they come yep. back and you ended up doing it with them? Yeah, they yeah. came back. Yeah. Yep. So does that help you get the BMW GT ride? Like you've already met Tom Milner and then also – I had the GT ride. And when they came back to do Daytona, I already had the BMW ride. Okay. And I wasn't sure if they were coming or not. Uh-huh. So I told Callaway, hey, uh, I'm going to drive both cars, all right? <laughs> no. You have to drive our car. But I wasn't sure if he was going to get the car done. So right. I said – Yes to BMW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And yes to him. <laughs> and so he didn't find out till they showed up with the C7. Right. Okay. And because that car was a tr- really trick carbon car they built. And the yeah. year before, they never got it done. So they brought it to Daytona. And when he found out I was driving for BMW, too, he was mad. Right. And Milner that year goes, if you're going to drive, I'm going to put you in. You're going to drive a lot. So he, I ended up driving that year 18 and a half hours of the race. Jeez. You know, th- all three BMWs and the C7. Oh. And at one point in the middle of the night, we were leading in both cars, but then it, the, the C7 blew up in the middle of the night. Right. And you're like, thank God. Yeah, Ron Fellows ran out of oil. You yeah. Know. But um, how was Milner okay with this? He, he loved it. Two, that you were running the Callaway? Was yeah. Two different classes, right? Two different classes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I understand yeah. you're not competing yeah. against like each GT1 other. GT1 car and a GT2 car. Right, right. And but if he's going to run you between all these BMWs, he's not worried about. I understand non conflict weekends, fine. Are you kidding me? He was testing me. He made me. I was 18 and a half hours of 24 hours I drove that That's, year. Yeah. I was done at the end, but we yeah. won in the BMW. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when, now you can't. But they went drive time <laughs> yeah. was not a thing. Right, they came out. So. Then after that, they came out with a 14 hour at max. Total right. and, oh, the, is that and the next you? year I drove a Callaway didn't show up and I drove a um, a GT1 Trans Am car for Eduardo Debo's yeah. 14 hours exactly yeah it was cool wow. and finished second in class yeah. how many Rolexes do you have I won two but yeah. I didn't keep any of them oh, really? gave them away it wasn't my thing who did you give them to uh, one to Milner and that's cool one to a chick I think <laughs> 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 I wasn't gonna wear a gold Rolex I know you're not wearing a wedding ring right now. Oh, well, I am married, but oh, okay. that, that's all another right. story. I was the one that got them to give Rolexes to all the classes. Oh, okay. Because the first year we won, you know, Roland Putan, I remember his name. He was the CEO of Rolex. On the victory stand, when I had the mic, I go, hey, I can ask you a question. They, at the time, they only gave the overall winner. Right. right. I go, you're a big company. You make a lot of money. How come that my win, and you know, you think of less, you know, why, why aren't you uh, give Rolexes to all the winners yeah. of each class? And he was like, whoa, and all the crowds are going. He goes, I'll send you one. I said, no, but you should do it. And yeah. then after that, they started doing it. Wow. So you hear that, everybody? Alex, <laughs> Alex and already started the donut, but I started the Rolex in every class. For I, I think shaming the guy. I was going to shame the guy. Publicly shaming the guy. So yeah. what you're saying is, is if you publicly shame somebody, you can get away with some Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. You heard him. It's so a lie, so con, publicly shame. Yeah. It's the way to go. Uh, so you end up driving at PTG for forever. Right. And... How fortunate is it that you and Hans Stuck and then, like, Johannes van Overbeek are all roughly the same shape? Right. Because you can't drive at that time with Pat Long, if he even was racing, that well, you I, know, in theory. The first time I saw Hans Stuck was 1988. It was the year I won my first Corvette Challenge race yeah. in the rain at Mid-Ohio. And the day before, when he raced, it was pouring rain. And I remember watching that guy. I mean, he was almost lapping cars a second lap. Mm-hmm. And he was just amazing in the rain. Yeah. And then later that year in a Porsche, I remember seeing him at Sebring just sliding, you know, sideways, coming off that last turn with the wing against the wall. Yeah. And I'm like, if I could ever drive, I want to drive like that guy. Yeah. And I was always a fan. And I remember at Laguna Seco, we were racing, and, and the No Fear guys had their girls there, and they had some pretty hot girls, and we were staying in a motorhome. And uh, 
he was always leching on the girls, and I'm like, man, I like that guy. Like, right? <laughs> like, that's, I, but I had no idea who he was. You're right. And then one year, I'm like the only American at the BMW um, driver's banquet they had to have in Kitzbühel, Austria. Okay. And that's when they announced Hans Stuck was going to drive for BMW. He came yeah. in in a parachute, and, you know, they came down the stage, and, you know, they... You know, drug him down in a parachute, and <laughs> you know, and then we ended up being teammates for a few years. You know, and yeah. that was the best. I mean, he was right? Just um, we were an unbelievable combination. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bill Arbelin was fun to drive with, but man, he was so short. That's, good. That's right. my yeah. whole point. Yeah. It was short. Like, yeah. You had these two amazing talents that yeah. were also both quite tall. Tall, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and then kids came like Joey Hand. Mm-hmm. You know, he was <laughs> babies like yeah. Joey Hand. Right. He was yeah. like yeah. he was like my first guy. I drove with him, I mentored him a little bit, and, yeah. and Johannes you know, at mm-hmm. the same time. It's funny. You know, Joey's probably one of the best sports car drivers in America. Now, Absolutely, I would yeah. say those kids, forty-year-old kids. Yeah, yeah. those kids. Yeah, have that's their own right. Kids now. <laughs> so I was thinking about this only because for some of the younger generation, mm-hmm. no fear may not be as known. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, so yeah. let's 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 talk a little bit about that. So you have so no fear. I was uh, in junior high and high school all through the 90s, so No Fear was like the brand yeah. when I was growing up. And, and technically, you were never part of it, but you, the Simo family is, some, is a family you're really close with. Well, so. basically, it's two brothers, Mark right. and Brian Simo. And, <clears throat> and I was a rival with their partner, Beaver, when they owned a company called Life's a Beach. Mm-hmm. And Beaver I kicked his ass at the runoffs one year. And I, I, he had the Bad Boy Club, Life's a Beach, the Bad Boy Club. Like, oh, that's those, right. Those are like those, those cartoon cool characters yeah, like, with, the, with, right, the, right. with the arms and the muscles. And so I started talking to him, and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, and he was kind of a fruitcake, right? He was out there. Yeah. I'm like, man, how can this guy run this big company? Yeah. He goes, yeah, my partner's going to come next year. And so the next year at the runoffs, Mark and Brian came. And, man, we just hit it off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they were wild, crazy wild. <laughs> Southern California guys. Yeah, here yeah, yeah. I am, a Connecticut guy. And so after that, they're like, you got to come out and visit. So, you know, me and PD would go out there and visit. We would do this enduro every year, Thanksgiving weekend at um, Willow Springs. Okay. Yeah. And then we would hang around Carlsbad and, you know, I mean, the girls, the fun. It was, yeah. you know, I yeah, lived in right. Connecticut where yeah, yeah. everyone's grumpy and fat and rainy and <laughs> freezing <laughs> cold. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and you come to Southern California, like, oh, my God. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. a light switch. And you're four race car drivers that also are part of a clothing company. Yeah, right. exactly. Because, <laughs> so, so like, Life's a Beach was, was originally, like, the surfer dude T-shirt to have. And then over time, No Fear kind of came right. in and, and took Well, so what happened was now in August of 90, they go, hey, we're going to start this company, No Fear. You should come out and be a part of it. I'm like, no, man, I want to become a race car driver. That's what I'm working on <laughs> right, right now. Right. <clears throat> I want to do it and make a living. And they're like, just come on out and live with us. And when you're not racing, you can work with us. And I'm like, okay. I and mean, you know nothing about T-shirts or design Nothing. Or I just yeah, hopped yeah. in my pickup truck and drove out there and showed up in the afternoon. And they're like, uh, but by this point, you already got a sense of what their lifestyle was like. So it seemed like this wild. was something you wanted. Yeah. 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 So but, you knew that you wanted to But when they moved here. from, when they lost everything at Life's a Beach. Yeah. And started No Fear, and I came out, you know, six months after that started to, to work there <coughs> and live with them. I didn't realize we were living in the warehouse on rolled-out fabric. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. No shower. Yeah, yeah right. Hose. Yeah. And, you know, it was some of the best times I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would always, when I wasn't racing, just do whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it took, and just went along the ride. So, so is there growing their T-shirt company? You're just sort of helping them on the days that you can kind of deal. Yeah, when I was yeah. there, I mean, we'd unload trucks, load trucks, you know, do stuff, yeah. you know, stock stores. We would just do whatever it took, buy equipment, everything. So Doing the whole thing. So yeah, you, but fun. you saw how they, like, so if I was going to start a T-shirt company, from how they started to where they are, where they kind of peaked at, um, what would you see was the, the key to the, how the CMOs kind of grew it? <laughs> I mean, they were, Mark was a marketing genius, you know, yeah. building a brand. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the beginning it was, you know, some people, 
you'd show it to them and they liked it. Some people, man, I don't get it. Right. You know? Well, because it was a very in-your-face kind of, you know, it's <coughs> yeah. always like some crazy tagline on the back. Right. Balls, you only need two, you know, something right. like yeah. that. Yeah. And then, you know, when the economy <laughs> a bunch when the economy took a dump in 07, I mean, they, they went down hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now we just started a new company together. You know, it's two years old, a vodka company. And you know, hopefully that'll take Is off. Like current? Your current. Oh well, we're looking for partners on the yeah. show. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. What's the name of the vodka company? It's called Trust Me. <laughs> Trust Me Vodka. Yep. Yeah. Trust Me Vodka. Yeah, that'll work. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we do like really cool art on the bottles. Yeah. And nice. The official vodka of Dinner with Racers. Yeah. 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 We're two years in, and it's going pretty good. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Do you remember any of the slogans from the back of those shirts? Oh yeah. I'm I mean, no the, the slogans. We used to go in the room at the end of the day with some beer and uh, quote books and just bullshit and come up with, you know, the faster, uh, you know, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. The older yeah. I get, the faster yeah. I was. Yeah. You know, all those yeah. kind of things. We were just in a room laughing. Yeah. I and had boom, print it. Yeah. I had one that said first place or second place is the first, first loser. Yeah. And I had another one. I got in trouble for this one because it, it just said the logo on the front. It was a white shirt. And on the back, it said the meek shall inherit the earth. They just better stay the hell off the track. No fear. Because it said hell. Hell. Yeah. And I right. wore I was in third grade. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wore it to school. My dad bought it for me. We went to the Indy 500. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. yeah you yeah. know? But then I was like the badass kid that had a shirt that said yeah. a cuss word on yeah, it. Exactly. Chicken. Remember those? <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one. <laughs> so I saved a lot of that stuff, yeah, all right. the original ones. And now yeah. my kid's wearing them. Oh, And yeah. people don't even know what they are. And right. People freak out over it. Right. It's funny. Yeah. That's I awesome. love that brand. Yeah. Yeah. I was such yeah. a fan of those guys. Yep. That deal. Yeah. So then you ended up doing Trans Am with those guys too, right? Yeah, Mark, Brian, or Mark and Brian. Brian wanted to do Trans Am, so Mark, <coughs> he paid for three races for me. Okay. And from those three races, you know, Tom Gloy said, all right, I'm going to let you do the you know, Ford. We'd have a tryout. Mm-hmm. Just like Chevy did. Yeah. <coughs> is, this, is this the gong show? The gong show. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Roush had a gong show. Right. Um, so Ford had their own deal too? Well, yeah. I mean, Roush had a gong show, mm-hmm. but then Gloy, who was another Factory Four team, yeah. goes, hey, I'm going to have a tryout. I've already tested five guys. I'm going to let you come up and do it. Sears Point. I'm like, great. Cause I, you know, because I kind of brought him Brian, yeah, right. the rental guy. So we get up there, and he goes, okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you uh, all morning on, on this set of tires, and then before 12 o'clock, you need to say when you're ready for stickers. Mm-hmm. I'll give you three laps. That's what I'm working on. Right. I'm like, okay. So I drove around. It was like 9 o'clock. I drove around for 45 minutes. I knew it was cooler. I go, I'm ready. Yeah, right. Because what? I go, bolt them on. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I put in a lap from hell. Right. And came in. And he sits you in the room with, with uh, his crew chief and him. <coughs> He's like, you did pretty good. I'm like, okay. How good? You know? Right. He goes, I'm prepared to offer you the ride. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> he goes, you know what? You want to know what you're going to get paid? I'm like, nope. Just, I'll do it. Yeah. It didn't matter at the time, right? I'll do it. Yeah. So he sends me this contract. It was big. And I give it to the lawyer. And no fear, Calvin, he reads it over. He goes, there's no reason for you to sign this. This basically says for four years he owns you. He could pay you or not pay you. And he, he owns you. Yeah. And I call him up and I go... Yeah, Tom, uh, you know, the, the lawyer says it's pretty one-sided. Like, you could pay me or not pay me or, like, there's no – no, well, let me stop you right there. I got a list of drivers that will sign it. If you yeah. don't want to sign, no, no, I'll sign it. Right. Was, uh, damn it. So that was my first big deal. I, I've heard that one-liner from Petey yeah. and Nathan Bonneau at real time a million times. Oh, we got a whole list of guys that will drive yeah. it like yeah. that. With no brakes. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got a whole list of guys that will like that. Damn it. Yeah, yeah they're right, too. <laughs> exactly. So – 
uh, we'll get to the NASCAR stuff because it's obviously really cool, like the, the right. road course ringer and all that. Uh, but Trans Am, when you were running Trans Am, had to have been like the coolest time ever. Oh, those cars are the best cars I've ever raced. Right. I mean, like last couple of years I raced, I got so bored with those GT3 cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're cool looking and they go fast. But they're so boring to drive, you know, with the paddle shift and the ABS and mm-hmm. the traction control. There's no finesse. There's no matching the revs or downshifting. Right. And I did, like, three years ago a vintage Trans Am race in, in an old um, Huffaker car. Okay. And, man, was it good. Yeah. So last year when, you know, I was done racing. Yep. I'm over. But when, um, when, uh, when they asked me, you know, if I wanted to do a Trans Am race, I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, now they're 850 horsepower. Right. You know, Poncho Weaver built a brand new car. Mm-hmm. And they're they're a freaking blast to drive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's real racing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and those in the 90s was. Right. You know, when you had two factory four teams and Chevy teams and Dodge teams. Yeah. I mean, it was great racing. Yeah. So you were teammates with Tommy Kendall at one point? And Dorsey Schrader, yeah. yeah. Both, both really good teammates yeah. in two different teams. There's a rumor floating around that when you were teammates with Tommy, you had to let him win a couple times. Well, yes. There was one race where, you know, I, was out of the, I wasn't in the points because I missed a race. Mm-hmm. And we were Watkins Glen, and me and Dorsey had one of the best races I've ever had. with. A oh, guy. yeah, this one's on YouTube. People mm. repost it all the time. Yeah, and we hit each other I don't know how many times and we're going back and forth and I was burning the tires off the yeah, thing yeah. and we were just laughing <laughs> it was great and at the end he had me right yeah. and so Max Jones comes on the radio and goes hey we really need some help and Tommy was far back yeah. I and mean, we were just in our we just had an unbelievable race yeah. and he goes would you let Tommy buy and I'm thinking about it I'm like yeah if you give me his money and my money no problem I'll be a team player yeah yeah and nothing. Austin goes deal. Oh, so we're racing, <laughs> and I was probably, you know like four seconds, three seconds behind Dorsey right at the end, and on the last lap they're like, "Remember, uh, are you good, Boris? We good?" And he started freaking out a little yeah, bit. Right, right. I'm like, I'm not saying anything until the last corner. I just slowed down. Right. Vroom, yeah, went by. Yeah, yeah. So I did that twice. Yeah. But. It was still a great ride. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, for sure. Now, when a guy does that on the last time, is that just to really demonstrate, like, I, he did not beat me. I yeah. clearly stopped and let this guy go by. I wasn't thinking. I mean, I shouldn't have done that. Sure. Looking back, but, I mean. Yeah, you want to make it clear. I was having so much fun with Dorsey, and I thought, well, maybe something will happen if I keep the pressure on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's so what I did time that right? Back. Yeah. right. Yeah. Did you have any uh, big rivals in the series? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're always, you know, Tommy Kendall and yeah. Dorsey. I mean, we were all friends, but we were bitter enemies on the track. Sure. I mean, we would beat and bang to the end, right? Does the phrase blue M&M mean anything to you? That was Jen Losey, yeah. which I don't like. <laughs> I never liked. I still don't like. And the reason I met is one day, you know, he walks up at the first race of the year at Long Beach, and, you know, he had that funny, you know, shape like a, you know, he's from Whoville, and uh, like the Grinch. <laughs> and I'm like... Jesus Christ, you look like a blue M&M, and he never wore that suit again. <laughs> it was a stretchy blue suit. <laughs> and he sounded like Daffy Duck the way he talked. <laughs> but, yeah, it, we we never got along in Trans Am. Right. He doesn't seem to get along with a lot of people. No, I can so see why. I don't think you're really alone there, but yep. I was curious what causes the, the anti. Like you say, you never like, was there an incident that yeah, led right. to this, or is it just like some people are just like, I want to punch that guy in the face just by looking at him. You know, there's that. Okay. But also, you know, he sued me once for saying, you know, when he owned the series, he suspended me. I had to get a lawyer. It cost me a bunch of money. I was under the tent at at uh, at Long Beach and I'm talking to a fan. Uh-huh. 
and one, he had a spy following me. And I said something about General Lozzi. I go, yeah, I go, Iraq has Saddam Hussein and his two sons, Udo and whatever. I go, and we got General Lozzi over there with his two sons. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and for saying that, they, I mean, it cost me like 50 grand, which was a lot of money. 50? Mm. Jesus Christ. Trans Am, like, Trans Am, like mid-2000 kind of yeah. prize money. Yeah, yeah when yeah. he owned it. Yeah, yeah when so he it wasn't as healthy so, as my time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So that was a bad deal. <laughs> so we, we, we definitely What would happen if you didn't pay it? I wouldn't have been able to race. Okay. Yeah, so I fought it. Fought it all the way through the appeals court, never healed in the court. It was a waste. Right. Yeah. Should have just paid the fine. But I wanted to fight it because I thought that was the right thing. Also, it's 50 grand. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm going to ask you something I don't think we've ever asked anybody, but I think, I think you don't care. So what was the highest you ever got paid to do Trans Am in its heyday? Because I don't think fans now realize how legit Trans Am was yeah. back then. But there was a lot of factory money involved. Right. And it was a big deal. So what was, like, the top number of people were getting for Trans Am? 25 a race. Wow. That was Jesus. the most. Yeah. 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 How many times a year were you guys racing back then? Mm, ten. Ten. Yeah. yeah. So it was there. pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. It was good. literally above most yeah. top right. level GT3 guys now. Yeah. So. When I started, you know, doing NASCAR stuff, you'd make. Well, that's you know, crazy. Yeah, that's a different world for yeah. sure. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'd make yeah. more in doing two road races a year than all year in sports car. Right. No kidding. And notoriety, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Know are. Brand yeah. recognition. Yeah. That's awesome. So how does the NASCAR road course stuff begin for you it began when basically um you know ernie irvin and mark simo started a team yeah and i was just kind of like uh they're helping them out managing the team basically mm -hmm. while i was doing trans am and race for bmw so <coughs> i started getting friendly with ernie irvin and he goes one day he goes why don't you drive mm -hmm. i'm like ah, i never did an oval so he took me to martinsville once to do a test and i got in the thing and I was just driving like a complete idiot. <laughs> he's trying to wave me down, and I'm flipping him off as I go by. And then I come around one lap, and he's lying in the track, so I stopped. <laughs> he starts teaching me, hey, you got to let this thing roll. Yeah, you know, right. like in a sports car, you're either on the brake or on the gas. There's no coasting. In a cup car, there's a lot of coasting. Yeah. So at the end of the year, they're racing at Louisville, Kentucky, this little tiny oval. Mm -hmm. And um, as a joke, he goes, hey, we're going to run two trucks. Right? And so – uh, Brian Refner was their driver. Yeah. And so I ended up I ended up beating their driver, Brian Refner. Okay. Who's a good guy. So the next year when they were going, they, they ended up saying, you want to do it full-time? I'm like, okay. So I was doing that and PGG full-time. Right. And the, the first race was at Homestead, and it was the same weekend as Sebring. Yeah. So I was like, Milner, I'll be there for the race, right? Yeah, you know, I went down, tested. Then went down to Homestead, mm -hmm. and I was going to go back up for the race. And I ended up qualifying second on the front row oh, wow. at Homestead. Yeah. And I remember I come back to the trailer and like, hey, we've been talking. And I was going to get to Sebring on Ernie Irvin's plane. His mm -hmm. father was going to just fly me up there. And I'm like, and I was getting ready to go. He goes, hey, uh, we've been talking about it, me and Mark. And we think that this should be a priority. And you know, I don't think you should go to Sebring. And I flipped out. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, right. You can't do that. I mean, I got a commitment. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Flipped out. We had a huge fight. It's too late for that. Too late for yeah, that. That's yeah, what I said. Yeah. So yeah. off I went. But then. I ended up doing, you know, two years mm -hmm. doing that. It was fun. You know, we won one road race. We were always in contention at the road races. Finished second at Texas on the Oval. Right. And third or fourth at, you know, at uh, New Hampshire on the Oval. Mm -hmm. So we were starting to get our groove. It was going good. And uh, so that year, you know, I forget what year it is now, but so that's 88, 89. So in 89, um, Ron Fellows was supposed to drive the, the – um, nationwide race or bush race at Watkins Glen for okay. Jimmy Spencer 
And at the last minute, he took a better ride. 99. 99. Okay, 99. So at the last second, he bailed out of Spencer's ride and took a ride with um, Joe Nemechek or somebody sure. with a much better car. And so Jimmy Spencer was pissed. Mm-hmm. So he, he just called me out of the blue because he knew I was a road racer. Yeah. So I went up there and, you know, never drove a stock car, you know, other than a truck, and put the thing on the pole. <laughs> and so he was really happy. Yeah, I bet. And thing blew up in the race. And uh, so then that year, no, this is 98. It's for sure 98. Yeah. Because in that year, he uh, he had a, he got a concussion at, at Indianapolis. So he talked to Travis Carter. And he goes, we should put Boris in the car. So we had Mosport that weekend. I was in the Hartford airport on a Thursday waiting for a flight. And I get a call. This guy, Travis Carter, you know, a real southern guy. Like, Boris, I was wondering if you'd be interested in, you know, Jimmy's – Jimmy needs a release driver. You know, he hit his noggin pretty hard last week and mm-hmm. needs someone that can practice and qualify and then relief drive for him. And I'm like, in in, a, in the cup car? He's like, yeah. I go, and I'm like walking over to the U.S. Air counter yeah. looking at flights to Charlotte. Right. He goes, when could you get here? And I go, I could be there by 4 o'clock. Yeah, I'm looking at <laughs> <there>, right? <laughs> and so literally we hang up, and I call Milner, who's already up there in Mossport. I go, hey, is there any way you can get someone else to drive for me? I got this chance right. to do this, blah, blah, right. blah. And anyone else would get mad. Oh, he yeah. goes, oh, go do it. Yeah. I'll, not, not hard to get somebody to drive your car, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's yeah. plenty of ultras. Right. And so off I went. Went down there. I walk in the shop, and Travis Carter introduces me to this guy, Donnie Wingo, the crew chief. Mm-hmm. And he was just sitting there on the bench eating a quarter pounder with cheese, right? <laughs> Real low key. And uh, he's like, so you're that road race fella, huh? You ever drive one of these? I'm like, nope. I go, I drove a bush car once, yeah, right. you know, for Jimmy. He goes, all right, let's come over. I'll introduce you to Donnie Wingo. And he's setting up the car, just putting it in the trailer. It was just about to leave. Yeah. And uh, he's, he looks at me and goes, hey, uh, I don't know. if we what, we what would you rather have, a nine-and-a-half or a ten-and-a-half upper control arm? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know I've never driven one of these, right? Oh, he's looking at me, just shaking his head gun. And he's like, what kind of wedge do you like? I'm like, uh, I don't know what that is either. Right? I go, you just – Set it up, and I'll tell you if it's pushing or loose. Right. Right? So off we go. And uh, next day we fly up to the race in the private plane. It was pretty cool. And the biggest thing I was impressed with is they had a suit there for me already. Oh, yeah, yeah. Overnight. Winston suit. Like when I wore a suit, it took four months to get. (laughs) Overnight they had the suit. Yeah. So the way the cup guys do practice is the first practice they have an hour, hour and a half, and then they qualify. Mm -hmm. So all they do is qualifying practice. They're taped up, one lap runs, cool it down, one lap runs. And I'm like, hey, is it all right since I never drove one of these? We can just untape it, let me drive a bunch of laps. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm out there driving, and I'm like, you know, at the bottom of the board. 45th or something. He goes about 25 laps in. He goes, hey, Boris, there's one thing. You're leading is you got about five times more laps than any of them boys. Are you ready to tape up and put some stickers on? I'm like, yep, yeah. I'll try it. And so we tape up. I go out, and I think I'm, I go right to third. Oh, wow. And yeah. now they've instantly they've changed. It's a different deal now. Right, it's right. It's total respect. Yeah. And we're, we're after we're getting ready for the race, and he's sitting there. He goes, no, Boris. These boys ain't like them road race boys. These boys are going to play tough. You ready for this, boy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. No problem. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so I ended up qualifying fifth, which was pretty cool. And then uh, Jimmy Spencer started last. And like 10 laps in, there was a yellow. He came in. We did a driver change. 
I'm sitting in his seat, which yeah. is like that He's wide. A big my dude. arm, yeah. Right. I mean, it was like yeah. I was skin, I was skinny back then, <laughs> and it, and I went from the back all the way to tenth, spun out, turned one, went all the way to the back, got up to tenth, and then Sterling Marlin spun me out, <laughs> and then came all the way back. I think I finished like I don't remember fifteenth or twentieth. That's so, so good. It was yeah. That one race. After that, I just started getting calls, right, to do the road races, and. I remember the following year, because that was Watkins Glen, so August, and so no more road races that year. And then it was about a month before Sears Point, I got a call from the Wood Brothers, from Eddie Wood. And he's like, hey, Boris, want to know if you uh, would like to go up and teach my driver, Elliot Sadler, how to road course race. And I'm like, ah, I'm not really a teacher. I don't really know how to, you know, I don't know. He goes, I go, what are you thinking? He goes, well, I'm going to bring two cars up there and maybe do some lead follow. I'm like, so I get to drive the car? He goes, yeah. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, no right. problem. I'm, yeah. I'm going. Yeah. And so we go there and spent two days with Elliot and had a blast. Yeah. He's a great guy. And I think I taught him pretty good. And at the end, you know, I mean, Eddie Wood and Lenny Wood are just cool guys. Yeah, They're legends. like legends yeah, of the sport, right? right? So I thought, this is pretty cool working yeah. with them and learning. And he goes, uh, what do I owe you? I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, just Paid my expenses, good enough. You know, I mean, I had a blast. <laughs> yeah. Got to drive for two days, so nothing. It's a favor. No, no, I got to pay you. I said, no, 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 nothing. And so a week went by, and I got a check for ten grand. What? And at the point, I got, <laughs> what? holy f***. Yeah, you know, right. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and this and is just like throwaway thank you money. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, like, yeah really we got to give something. This is right. favor money. Right. Let's just throw them a bone. But that wasn't the... That was just the start of it. He went through the paddock and told everybody. Yeah, right. And man, was I getting the call. I didn't get a yeah. call for a while, but yeah. like two months before Watkins Glen, yeah. I was going to teach everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah, they were calling, right. and they, I was getting these checks. I'm like, this is a pretty good deal. Well, and that and, kind of started a new trend, as I've always understood it, because all the way through kind of the history of NASCAR, there's only always been a couple of road races. Right. But it always seemed like the way the points worked over the years that it road races weren't just, yeah, who gave yeah. A shit? it, it wasn't a big deal right. but then all of a sudden once points started really coming down to the wire and then the chase started now you needed to know how to drive these things and they built special cars yeah, and right. gearboxes right. and they yeah. took it serious and those guys I mean they're in a car more than any other driver yeah, yeah. yeah. more miles than any other yep. driver so yep. they're good drivers they're best in the world I think yeah, yeah. they're fantastic so when you teach them a few things you know that's different it's like a Showing a duck water. Yeah. And yeah. they're fast. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, like, like an example, uh, Kevin Harvick. He was like three seconds off at Sears Point when I went to teach him. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I can't beat him. He's, <laughs> right. he's freaking fast. Yeah, right. he's right. You know, and, and they were all like Carl Edwards and, yeah. you know, yeah. Casey Kane. I mean, I taught over 35 guys over the years. And my most famous student, you know, one day I get a call, and it's, uh, it's Ty Norris who runs DEI. Yeah. He goes, hey, uh. Dale Sr. wants you to uh, teach Dale Jr. how to drive. And I'm almost saying, well, why doesn't he call me? No, I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no problem. When yeah. and where, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go up to Sears Point, and I'm like, oh, I get to meet Dale Jr. And, you right. know, you put this preconceived notion like, ah, I probably spoiled brat, rich yeah, kid, sure. you know. Like, right, that's yeah. what I thought in my head. And I walk up to the team, and it's Tony Urie Sr. and Tony Urie Jr. And right. they weren't giving me, like, the time of day. Really? You know. I'm like, man, doesn't seem like they really want me here. Yeah. And then I see the engine guy, and he goes, oh, Dale Jr.'s in there. Go meet him in the trailer. So I go in the trailer, and, I mean, literally in five minutes, we were like best buds. Yeah. Totally different guy, just the coolest dude ever. You know, we just totally got along. And I'm like, man, it doesn't seem like your guys really want me here. So I get in the car and drive for the first time and went fast and told him that, hey, you need to change a few things here. And then it got really fast, 
and then got instant respect, and then it was a totally different deal. So always after that, there was one guy that I could never – that always made me tongue-tied, and it was Dale Sr. He'd come up to me and squeeze the back of the neck, man, my boy can't stop talking about you, and I would just be like, oh, oh, that's good. You know, like I just <laughs> – I could never talk to that dude. Thank you, yes, sir. Mr. Right. Three. Yeah. Right. Like he was the guy. And so that year where no, – is that because there was always an admiration or he just had that presence? Admiration, like yeah, I mean, yeah, he, to me, yeah. he was the, the guy, like, yeah, black I mean, three. I mean, he was just that, badass. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he was a cool dude, and I just could never. He'd come up and say something to me. I'd be like, "Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'll get off the track, <laughs> right?" And so, and so that that year, we're testing up at Watkins Glen. There was like fifteen cars there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he comes down. He goes, "Hey, man, said he'd always call me said." He goes, "Man, my car's like crap, man. We drive my car." I'm like, "The black three? Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah." Right. So we go down and go, let's see if you fit in there. And I get in there and I'm leaning all back. I'm all crunched up in there. And he kind of leans and he goes, man, said, you don't fit very good in there. Can you drive it? I go, I know one thing. I feel like a bad motherfucker sitting in this thing. <laughs> I go, I'll drive it on one condition. I know I'm the only race fan you ever let drive this thing. I want to picture me driving this bad boy. And yeah. he's like, ah, you know, get out of here. <laughs> so I get my helmet, my Ford helmet on with the Ford decals on it. Right. And <laughs> I back out, take off, do a few laps. And when I came in, there were people everywhere taking pictures. And I really? pull into the garage, and I'm like, man, it was like an EF hunting commercial. It was just dead size. <laughs> As they took the window net down, I'm like, man, this car's crap. You drove my car. You wouldn't get back in this thing. Right. It's f***ed up. <laughs> and so he takes me in the trailer, me, him, and Kevin Hamlin. And we're in the trailer, and I gave him this laundry list of things. I go, was Kevin spot for him or something? Wait. No, Kevin Hamlin oh, was oh, the crew chief. Hamlin, the crew chief. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, well, first of all, yeah. I was like, wait. The brakes are like stepping on a rock, man. You need a smaller master to get a little power in there. Goes, man, I told them boys I wore my leg out at Sears Point. They don't listen. And I'm like, well, okay. So I tell him. <laughs> Why would him, you, you know, listen to Dale Earnhardt? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, then right. I, so I tell him, smaller front sway bar, bigger rear springs, change second, change third gear, put a smaller master in it. <laughs> And he goes to his guy. Are those the actual changes, or are you just throwing out? Yes, actual changes. You, you remember I still remember that, it. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. I go, change everything. Yeah. That's how much yeah. it meant. And he goes to his guy. He goes, change it all, man. Let me know when you're done. And so now it's just me and him sitting in the hall. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, f Think of something to say. <laughs> think of something to say. I was so nervous. And yeah. Airplane 2 was on the TV. And I'm like, man, that's a funny movie, huh? And the guy goes, yeah, I like that guy. And he got up and walked out of the lounge. I'm like, oh, f I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. I blew it. And I was so nervous. If there was a front door, I would have left. Yeah. Right. Oh. And all of a sudden, he goes, hey, Seth, you want anything to eat? And you know, I was like, PD, and just sarcastic. I go, yeah, make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and cut the crust off and hurry it up. <laughs> Thinking it'd start a little joke. Right. Nothing. Silence. <laughs> and then I'm like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. But it seemed like an hour went by, but it was probably three minutes. And he came in with a peanut butter and jelly on a paper towel. He goes, hey, man, I got your water, too. I go, yeah, but you didn't cut the crust off. He goes, no, man, it makes your hair curly. I don't want to ruin your look. <laughs> <laughs> and we sat down and ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing that ever happened to me in racing. Yeah, yeah. He was, Dale Earnhardt's your personal chef. It's yeah, kind of hard yeah. to beat this. And after that, I, you know, I could always talk to him. He was yeah, a cool guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, the real bummer to me was, like, uh, the year he died, I went to Daytona with Ernie Irvin. Just hanging around him. Yeah. And we're at the 500. And uh, I'm walking through the pits. And all of a sudden I say, hey, Sed, Sed. And he just had the doors open in the hall. And he goes, come over here. And so he has me. I go over there. He goes, hey, man, boy, I can't stop talking. You're all set. You're going to go test with him next month? I'm like, yep, yep. Next month we're going to Sears. And he goes, uh, I got this new road race car. Will you go down the road to Atlanta with me? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know, anything you need. And he's like, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, I didn't know if he liked Ernie or not. So I'm like, I, I don't know. He goes, come have dinner on the boat with me. 
And I'm like, it's the night before the Daytona 500. I'm going to go to dinner with him and his boat with his family. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, another time, you know, another yeah. time. No, yeah. you, you got to race tomorrow. No, no, come have dinner on the boat with me. I'm like, no, no, it's all right. And he goes, he goes to the crew guy. He goes, he won't come have dinner with me on the boat. Tell him to have dinner with me on the boat. And I didn't. I go another time. Right. And then he died the next yeah, day. Yeah, that well, was the last exchange. I kicked myself. Yeah. That was the worst mistake I ever made in racing. Yeah. Wow. He was a cool dude. So we're sitting here a couple days after Johnny Sauter just got into it with Austin Hill in the truck series race at right. Iowa. Flat out dumped him under yellow. After he got taken out yeah. and they were bumping into each other. And uh, when we were doing our Boris said research, we see the Rich Bickle video from Sears Point from years ago where you literally did the exact same thing. Yeah. You waited for a guy and then took him out. And then they benched Johnny Sauter for the coming race, but he's still eligible for the championship and all that stuff. Right. Um they gave you a fine, right? Yep. Like $15,000? And I had to do a public apology at the next race huh. on a loudspeaker. That hurt. <laughs> that <laughs> that was a problem. <laughs> Basically, what happened it was my first year, and on the ovals, you know. This is, this is trucks when they used to trucks, race. Trucks, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they were fast, and, you know, they were unrestricted. You know, they had smaller carburetors, but they were 750 horsepower. Mm-hmm. And. All year long on the ovals, you know, when I'm getting lapped, I'm getting out of the way. I'm giving them respect. And we get to Sears Point, and, I mean, I was fast enough to win the race. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a late stop for fuel. And I'm coming through the pack, and Rich Bickle hit me. And he was a points leader Yeah, but I'd say he was leading the championship. I remember. He hit me once, tried to get me off. And then when I was going by him, he hit me again and took out my right front. And he's a championship leader. He could let you go and just take the points. Yep. Oh. And I saw red. Redder than red. Yeah. <laughs> and the yellow comes out because there's shit all over the track yeah. coming off my car. And I'm like, <laughs> on three wheels. And I don't go by. I don't go into the pits. I go by. Yeah. And I'm waiting for them all to come. Mm-hmm. And here he comes under yellow, and he's trying to pass me. And I'm like, <laughs> and he finally just, yeah, right. you know, and he goes by. And I waited till it went green. Yep. And when it went green, I was just coming out of the hairpin up there. Yeah, going down the S's, and right. I, I, had, I, I was one of the few people that had a side mirror like a road race car. Okay. Yeah, right. So I picked them out of a line. <laughs> <laughs> and then I pitted, and they're all on the radio going nuts. And yeah. I'm like, ah. So I go in the NASCAR trailer, and, and um, it was, uh, I forget the guy's name that ran it. But he's like, they want you in the trailer as soon as I got in there. So I'm in the trailer, and I'm like, I'm like. Boris, Boris, what happened? I'm like, oh, God damn it. All year long I give them the respect. And then one week I can freaking win. He freaking has me off that piece of shit. I go, you weren't going to do anything to him. So I took the law in my own hands. God damn right I took him out. And the phone starts ringing. And he goes, hold on one second. Hey, Bill. Yes. Oh. Yep. I got him here right now. Okay, Bill. Okay. All right. I'll call you after. And I'm like, was that Bill France? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to NASCAR. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, right. You know, then I calmed down finally. So basically, Bill phones in what the penalty is going to be. He phoned in like, are you talking to him? But okay. I think they loved it because it was a lot of drama. They got a lot yeah. of pressure. Yeah. Like, about yeah. It's like, and it's after a- that, no one ever screwed with me again. Yeah. Weird. You know, yeah. No one ever screwed with me again after that. If, uh, if you, it's still on YouTube, and it's amazing because the live. The in-car is the, the best. The, the, live, like, the live feed, it's basically it's a rear bumper cam from the guy in front of you guys. Yeah. yeah. And you're not even in the shot because you're literally going five miles an hour yeah. waiting for them to go by. And you've got Bickle staring down this, this bumper cam. And then just out of nowhere, this white truck just comes <laughs> yeah. and plows them. Cleans so, them out. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yes! I got him. <laughs> So that started a rich tradition of Boris said NASCAR confrontations. Mm. I mean, 
it, it's rough racing, you know, and you got to huh. show that you're not going to take any crap. It's like prison. Right. <laughs> you got to gain respect. <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever get Greg Biffle's address? When I left that day, my phone blew up. I mean, I even got his address from some people that were really close to him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Let, and for those who don't necessarily know the whole story, so I don't know, four or five years ago now, it's a cup race, big crash at the end that, that you were involved with, but had nothing to do with Greg Biffle. Right. You guys have been fighting. I'll let you tell the story of it what led to it. happened way before that. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I helped Greg Biffle road racing. We were friends, I thought. Right. And I used to get crap from some of those guys, like, you race too hard. You know, you race too hard. You're not in it for the championship. At, yeah, at this point, because <clears throat> it's like what, 2015, 2016, something like that. Right. But, <clears throat> but you're the road course guy at this right. point. Like, you're just showing up on these one-offs. And I'd be like, hey, look, guys put me in their car. They expect me to drive 100%. Right. I don't want to pull over for you. you got to earn it. So I'm driving as hard as I can drive. And That's, at this point, there's no, um, like, now we've got the uh, franchise right. deal. And in those days, you had owner points to right. get in the race. So you could literally swap out drivers, but you still get those points to add up towards qualifying you for a race. 100%. So, so if you know you can get a really good road racer in for these key races, that may ensure that you can finish out the season by right. qualifying for races. So so that race, anyway, I had a battery go bad. So under, under yellow, I came in and pitted for a battery. And I'm coming out to catch up to the pack, and I I'm get behind Biffle, and he's not catching up to the pack. And he's swerving and swerving. I'm like, what the hell is going on? The spotters are going crazy. And he's flipping me off. And I'm like, what in the hell? I guess, you know, I, I did him wrong sometime during the race, raced him too hard. And so I go, I go, it goes, it goes green. I go by him, but I'm 100 yards behind the pack. Right. And I'm pissed. And at the next yellow, I go, hey, tell Biffle's spotter that after the race, I'm coming to see him in the trailer. I'm going to drop my fist and let him take one shot at me. Then I'm going to kick his f***ing ass. Right? <laughs> I was that mad. And so the mistake I made is after the race, you know, there was that big wreck at the end. But yeah. yeah, right, right. No, Which you were involved in. Right. But, yeah. And I just didn't yield to the guy. He just turned yeah, on yeah, me. Yeah, it was Reagan, right. Reagan. Yeah. So, and it felt bad, but not, I didn't do it. Right. And so I pull into the pits, and I see him standing out there. And the mistake I made, I didn't go back to my trailer. I just turned right in there. I dropped my window net. And he start he started throwing punches at me, and I'm like, "Oh, now I'm red." Right, right. So I'm trying to get out of the car. And you're still like fully helmeted. Fully helmeted, everything. Yeah, 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 like idiots punching with my helmet. Yeah, on. and it's not like Biffle's a big dude. Right, <laughs> a little right. guy like a flea. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> I get out. Baby punches. And he's yeah. he's standing behind this big guy, and I try, and the big guy wouldn't let me through. He was a big guy, and I kept charging him. Oh, okay, I'm okay. And I so charge him. Yeah. <laughs> and Biffle's like, "That was for blah blah blah," and I'm like, "Whoa." So. Right. But he's literally doing that like bar move of like, yeah. don't hold me back, bro. Keep holding me yeah. back. Don't <laughs> hold me back, bro. Yeah. So when the funny interview came, because I was so hot, and when I was getting out of my trailer, I had my son, who at the time was little, like eight or something. He was down here, so then they asked me about it, and I was, I didn't want to swear. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I want to womp him. That, you know, <laughs> was, and so the interview was funny in the Gotta way it played everywhere because there was not one swear word. Right, 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 right. Womp yeah. him and give me his address, so I'm going to whoop his but, you right. know, like, yeah. it was kind of stupid, but yeah. Yeah. I don't want to swear easy. in front of my kid. Right. <laughs> You've got to be a dad. And, man, did my f it it was way bigger than I thought. Because yeah. that, that well, day I had to drive with my family down to ESPN to do a show on Monday. Okay. And it was just, I was getting his email everywhere. Yeah. Right. Like, and so, then, like, how many times would you say you got his address? Hundred. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the next day, Jack Roush calls me. And I'm like, Jack... The only reason I didn't wreck your car is because I respect you, or I would have wrecked it. But I can tell you one thing. 
that freaking driver's going to have a black eye the next time he shows up to your race. I'm going to beat his ass. You know? <laughs> oh, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. No. And he hangs up. And the second he <coughs> – four minutes later, Biffle calls. Right? And he gave me that, you know, fake, yeah, you know, you're fast. You know, it's happening. You know, then we just pretty much that was agreed it. that – Nobody's getting a Christmas card anymore, right? We're done. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But you're not going to show And that was house. a long time ago. Right. And then, you know, he retired, and I ended up seeing him at the SEMA show, mm-hmm. and we're best buds. <laughs> and then, we, and then right. we raced it. We raced the Legends race at VIR last year. Yeah, that's right. And we had a blast. Yeah. So he's, okay. nah, we're, we're in love again. For a while, there was no Christmas cards, but now right. we're good. Yeah. But, yeah, I was really mad. Uh, on YouTube, at least, you and Tony Stewart had a really good one at Watkins Glen. How did that, uh, how did that go post-race? Oh, that was a funny one, too. I love Tony Stewart. I mean, he's an unbelievable race car driver. But on the track, man, he can be a prick, right? And so I saw him coming, like, earlier in the race, and I'm like, ooh, he's flying. I just let him go. Then later in the race, he was kind of slow or something, so I'm trying to go by him. And, you know, I rubbed him a little bit, and he starts flipping me off. I'm like, what the hell's the matter with him? And then the yellow comes out, and he's flipping me off, and now I'm getting mad, and my crew chief's mad, and everyone's getting mad, and blah, blah, blah. and so I find out after, well, here's what happened. So after the race, I'm pissed, right? And it was one of the races where I was taking a helicopter back to the airport. So I'm with my kid at the time, who's little, and we're up at the helicopter pad, and there's like 10 people there, sign their autographs, and I'm waiting for a chopper, and I'm sitting in the, in the golf cart with my kid, and my wife's just standing around, here comes Tony Stewart's entourage in the golf cart. And my wife's like, you going to say anything? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm still too mad. I'll call him or something. And he goes by and doesn't see me, doesn't sign one hour, goes by. And he's in the helicopter, and I'm still watching. And I, his guy sees me. The door's open. And he points to Tony. He goes, So he gets out of the helicopter, walks over to the, walks over to the golf cart, and he goes, and, you know, my kid has a big afro. He's a little kid. He was like <laughs> four at the time. Weird. Yeah. And he, he said, he said funny. He goes, Man, it's one thing for sure. He goes, that's definitely your kid. <laughs> he goes, you know, that hair, he goes, you think his teeth will be straight? And I go, <laughs> I go, I can tell you one thing. He won't be fat. <laughs> oh. <And> so, yes. <laughs> he goes, touche. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell happened out there? Yeah. And I, he goes, oh, man, I got a pit road speeding penalty, and I was just mad. I go, well, I was mad too. <laughs> I was, like, was going to spin you out. So. And after that, we're fine. Okay. And that's the way he yeah, always that is. That seems like how he is. Yeah. So. In your text me Greg Biffle's address speech on ESPN, right. there was one quote you have in there where I'm like, mm, that's inconsistent with everything he's been saying, oh, right. that um, you don't like to wreck cars uh, because that's unprofessional and you want to take it out off the track. But you're now saying that you had your kid with you. Was that something you just said in the moment, or was that something to say around your kid? Because there's plenty of YouTube evidence of you deliberately wrecking cars, including telling a crew chief you're going to wreck a car. I didn't want to wreck Jack Roush's car. Okay. Yeah. So that was the difference. Right, yeah. okay. That was the difference. Okay. okay. I okay. respected him. Fair. But otherwise, it's okay to wreck cars. Yeah, if they deserve it. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I think. Yeah. I'm with you. I just want to hear you say it. <laughs> hear that, kids? Yeah. Future racers? And yet you don't want to drive GT3 cars. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so out of your PTG like era, that, that was a tight knit group. A lot of the same drivers for a really long time. Didn't really have too many interlopers. Was there a prankster? Like who was the, who was causing Stuck. trouble? Stuck. Yeah, yeah. That adds up. Yeah. The old German guy oh, on the yeah. team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we played a lot of jokes on Milner. I mean, right. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, from going to the 
porn shop and putting all kinds of stuff in his briefcase at the airport. I, like, like, this might just be legend has it stuff, but there was a legend that I heard a long time ago that you did an outline in aluminum foil or something of a gun and put it in someone's briefcase. Yeah. He's nodding yes. That's not okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this was before was 9-11. I was about to say, yeah, what, what year was this? And we were there, This is like in the ni- early 90s, okay. and, and they put – I was getting in my rent-a-car, and they put acetylene gas in the headlights. <laughs> as soon as I turned this like- – Prank does not as go away. As soon as I turned the car on, the lights blew out. <laughs> right. And we drove down to Atlanta Airport, and everybody's flashing me, and yeah. I got the headlights. Yeah. This is like our ninth yeah. acetylene yeah. in the headlight story. Yeah, it's from so the we, same time period. It's yeah, like the thing right. to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we stopped at a sandwich shop, and Mark Simo got, went, and got in the ba- went to the, go to the bathroom, and I took my aluminum and just folded it into the shape of a gun <laughs> and Jesus put it in a Christ. magazine and put it in his briefcase. <laughs> so we get to the airport, and I go to Brian. I go, we need to go through security first. And we go through... And we kind of wait, and Mark's standing there, and the guy's like, sir, is this your bag, right? Yes. One second, sir. And so we're standing there waiting, but he's got to wait there. And, you know, a few minutes went by, and he's kind of getting impatient. Like, hey, what's the problem? One second, sir. All of a sudden, two cops show up. Right. Oh, wow. And they go back, and they're looking. And they're like, sir, this is your bag? And he's like, yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> and me and Brian go, let's just walk a little bit further away. <laughs> and... uh he goes, sir, come around here. You see that? Are you carrying a firearm? He goes, what? <laughs> and they took him off to a room. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so I go, well, you better go to the gate. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. But he made the flight. <laughs> you know, somebody played a bad joke on you. Yeah. You're like. <laughs> it was pretty good. That's so amazing. at no point was there a temptation to be like, officer, it's a tinfoil. No, no, no. we like, left. This is his problem. No, we left. This yeah. is his problem. Yeah. Maybe he'll make it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Uh, did you have to? St- were you a grid girl once? What's that? Were you a grid girl once? Yes. How did that happen? Milner made it- me do that. <laughs> I wrecked the car in morning warm up and had a concussion too. By the way, <laughs> he made me <laughs> as a punishment be the grid girl. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because the okay. car was wrecked, we couldn't and race it. Grid girl means you've held the flag, or you had to like dress the part. Just held the flag. Okay. okay. In yeah. front of Justin's car, I think. Good. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Nice. So that was bad for Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been in for? A, have you ever been for a ride in a fighter jet before? Yes. Yeah. That was probably the coolest thing I ever did. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a rain delay. I met a guy who was a General John Jumper. Okay. And I didn't know who he was. Just he had a lot of stuff on. Sure. And um, we were just talking during a rain delay at a NASCAR race, and I'm like, yeah, hopefully someday I get famous enough to go up in a jet. And uh, I get a call, like two weeks later. Oh, General Jumper has arranged an orientation ride on an F-15 Eagle. Wow. Uh, uh, we have a couple dates. And I'm like, what's the first one? You know, yeah. and boom, I went down to Rawlings, Georgia. And it was the coolest experience of my racing career. I mean, literally, I stayed in this really cool room where all kinds of dignitaries stayed. My right. flight suit with my name on it and the boots were hanging up. Yeah, yeah. Had dinner in the officer's mess hall with the general that was running the base and the pilot and their wives. And the, spent a whole day training and getting ready. And then, you know, an hour in an F-15. Yeah. You know, it was freaking crazy. Right. You know, the plane had my name on it under the canopy. Uh, that's so They gave cool. you a video and a book, photo album. Right. Was a, those guys are badass. Yeah, I for mean, sure. Really cool. Yep. And it's funny, that the very next day I had to go to Sebring, Florida. And, uh, well, first of all, in the jet, you know, Mark and Brian Simo are like, oh, you're going to puke and pass out. I go, yeah. no, I won't. I'll bet you a dollar on each. Well, how <laughs> do we know you'll get a good ride? I go, I'll say something. <laughs> so the guy's like, you ready for some Gs? And I'm like, yep. And he started pulling like a 6G, 5G turn. Yeah. I was grunting real hard. And he goes, you all right back there? And I'm like, is that all you got, you f- 
Yeah. So the guy started laughing. He straightened up, and I'm yeah. like, look, I'm never going to get to do this again. Yeah. And I go, put me out. I want to feel what it's like. <laughs> so he goes, okay. <laughs> so he did a 9.2G turn. Oh, God. And that hurt. Yeah, hurt more than anything ever in my life. Yeah, yeah right. You know, and I tunneled in gray, but stayed stayed awake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you never went black. Never went black. The whole time. Nope. Dude, wow. uh, and no. And the smartest thing I did is when we're on the runway waiting for clearance. You know, he had everything set, yeah. but the oxygen was at like twenty five percent, and I put it at a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I didn't eat that morning. I was like, "There's no way I'm getting sick. I'm right. Enjoy this. Right. And it was freaking cool. And those guys are. I'll just turn this up real yeah. quick. Yeah. 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 Did you ever pull a gun on somebody over snowmobiling? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and fired a shot, a warning shot. Oh, Jesus. All right, back okay. up, back yeah, up, let's back go. up. Maybe so, you should hang out with Bobby Unser. Yeah. So I owned this motorcycle shop when I was 21, Yeah. and we sold snowmobiles. And there started to be the snowstorm, and my shop was in Norwalk, and I had two snowmobiles on a trailer at my girlfriend's house in Stanford. And I get this call at, like, 6 o'clock when he got home from work. Hey, did you take your snowmobile? I'm like, nope. He goes, oh, somebody stole one. I'm like, no problem. Don't worry about it insured forget about it and he was so worried he kept calling me right eight o'clock packed up the shop drove home and i'm like all right i got on the other snowmobile loaded my gun just started driving around stanford <laughs> and it wasn't 30 minutes into my ride i'm going through a high school and i see three snowmobiles going across the football field as as we're about to meet the third one was my snowmobile yeah so i rode up next to it and as I rode up next to it, the guy's looking at me, and I just hit the kill button yeah. and pulled the I've I've seen you do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Same move you guy. Right? <laughs> and so the guy's like, he stops. He goes, hey, what the fuck? And I go, what the fuck? <laughs> Nothing. And I pull out this gun, fire a warning shot, and stick it in the barrel right in his friggin' <laughs> helmet shield. Say, right. And the other two snowmobiles, I see him come turn around, and then you turned it left. Yeah. And I'm like, just get off the snowmobile and start walking. Get off the snowmobile. I just bought this. Get off the snowmobile and get the fuck out of here. I'm right. going to fucking shoot you. <laughs> off he went. Right. I hooked it up, towed it back to their house. I, it wasn't gone an hour. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you got it back? I'm like, yeah. It's insured. Yeah. <laughs> By me. <laughs> By Smith and West. Right. Yep. Right. It was just a little 380, too, but, man, that kid was scared. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Yeah, got yeah. a gun in his face. <laughs> After shot it. a bunch of hair. I'm like, yeah. Tapping it on the shield. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you transition now into dealership owning ownership of a dealership and you're partnered with rick hendrick who's uh, like needs knows to how to sell a car yeah yeah how does that first like how do you make that jump racing to owning a dealer well i mean i had a really good relationship at bmw you know and, and tom purvis who was the president for a lot, lot of years and who was our big boss mm -hmm. we became golfing buddies yeah you know we were good friends and golfing buddies and in 04, we were having dinner at his apartment in New York City on, on the balcony, and he goes, well, what are you going to do when you're done racing? And I'm like, well, you know, I just started this K1 speed, but I'm not even thinking about that. I've right. got a few more years, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, what about a dealership? So he started sending me, like, ones that were for sale. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in, like, 05, a year later, I'm like, hey, what about Murrieta? There's no Highline dealer in, in Temecula Valley. Yeah. Right. Marietta is sort of like inland Orange County, San Diego right. County border. Yeah, it's but a little, really nice. We, we went there yeah. when we did the chicken sandwich thing. Right, right. And, yeah. and it's a really nice little town. It's a little bedroom yeah. community. Yeah. You know, 250,000 people between yeah. Temecula and Marietta. And so in 06, they actually did a feasibility study. And said, okay, we're going to do it. And then I ended up getting it. Right. And people at the time were like, you know, it's like printing money. You know, you just hire a GM and you're going to make so much money. But the cost of it. You know, it was everything I ever made in racing and then some. Right. So, and yeah, I didn't right. know anything about it. 
So and this is I what year? I, this is in, this is in, oh, I got the point in 08. Yeah. I got the actual the letter. Worst time saying, for a car company. Worst time yeah. for a car thing. So yeah. I literally was going to slow play it. Yeah. You know, so I actually didn't open until June 6, 2011. Right. Is when I actually okay. opened. Okay. Because the economy was so bad. Yeah, about mm-hmm. to say. So I bought land, but I didn't build a building. So I ended up moving into a Mitsubishi building across the street from the land I bought. But what I did was I went to Rick Hendrick, you know, because one time I was walking to my car at the grid at Las Vegas, and I knew everyone knows who Rick Hendrick is, but I, all I ever said was, hi, sir, yeah. hi, sir, and I didn't ever know him. But we're walking down the grid, and he goes, oh, I met a friend of yours the other day talking good about you. I'm like, oh, who's that? He goes, Tom Purvis. I go, well, tell him I want my dealership. Yeah. And he goes, next time you talk to him, he goes, you want to get in the car business? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, if you ever do, call me if you ever need help. So I started to get cold feet, and I called him, and you know we ended up doing a deal where I'm the majority, he's a minority, and it was probably the smartest decision I ever made. I think, yeah. you know, because I learned a lot. You know, it's been, we've been open now eight years and 14 days. We just moved into a, you know, I built a 25 million dollar state of the art facility. Now we're having our official grand opening. You know, four months later, this this you know on Friday, and it's. It is the nicest service department in the United States, I think. Yeah. Yep. What I'm proud of is we're the first, like BMW, you know, they have a, a manufacturer's awards. And in BMW, it's called Center of Excellence. And there's 346 dealers in the country. 32 are their top dealers, and it's called Center of Excellence. And there's all these th- things you got to hit to make that. And it's the hardest manufacturer's award to win. And we are the first dealer in history to make it their first year. And we've made it every year, seven in a row. Right, which that's what I'm proud of. And and old school car dealers, they lie to their mother to sell a car, right? Yeah. That's the mentality. It's just like what you see in a movie, you know. It's the same thing. And, yeah, there are a lot of people old school like that. And I didn't know anything about the car business, but racing, you travel all the time, right? So, you you know, you get, you're used to airports and people are grumpy and plane lines, right, and a rental car, grumpy people. And then you'll get that one waitress at the macaroni grill in the Orlando airport that's just, like, unbelievable. And you're like, oh, what an experience, man. That was, that, that was fantastic. 100%. Right, 100%, right? So that, that was good training. That was really good training for the car dealership. Two things. Racing, if you're not learning faster than the competition, you get beat, right? Same thing in business. But the main thing I did, which I would tell my people, is say, look, we're going to make mistakes. You're going to dent up cars. No problem. I go, but this is what I want. This is a non-negotiable thing. I want to treat everybody how you'd want your mother or your kid to be treated. You know, if you're working on a car and it's your mother's, you're going to double-check everything, right? You're not going to lie to your mother, right? So just treat people how you'd want to be treated, and don't bull them. That is a non-negotiable thing. If you do, you're out. And, and people that have I've caught, you know, they're out immediately done. Nice. And I think that's really our secret sauce, which is not, it's not it's simple. Yep. Just treat people good, right? Yep. You know, fair. And and that's what we've done. So I'm proud of that. If we drive down to Marietta right now, are we going to see a giant inflatable gorilla? No, they don't let you have the gorilla in BMW. That's BMW oh. thing. Okay. But you'll see a $150,000 pylon sign that's 67 feet off the ground, so you'll, you okay. won't miss it when you go up to 15. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I were to turn on local television, is there like a dancing seal next to Boris Ed's? Like yeah. none of that. Wild, uh, wacky car sale. Yeah. We started out doing some TV, and like, you know, originally when we started, it was like, you know, you hire the advertising company, you do all that cheesy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's a different time now. You know, now every 98% of the people that buy a car 
research it online. Right. So everything, <clears throat> all our advertising is just digital online stuff. Well, there are some really good creative companies out there that do really good video and web services. And in the podcasts, Los Angeles area. In the Los Angeles, Pasadena <laughs> area. They do podcasts, videos. He goes right to his phone. <laughs> do you have a jingle? Uh, no. No, there's no like, Boris <laughs> BMW. We don't have that. Okay. Nope. We just have uh, uh, stop dreaming and start driving. That's our tagline. So in 2019, you got the vodka, you got a stake in K1 Speed, which is continues to grow for electric karting. You've got the car dealership. What's uh, what's the portfolio and where are you going? Uh, nowhere. I'm, I'm starting to wind down now. You okay. know, like I, I'm not trying to grow at all. K1 Speed's a really fun company, and um, you know we have 33 go kart tracks that we own in America. It's unbelievable. And we started selling franchises a couple years ago outside the country. So you know we opened up in Beijing, China, wow, and Paris, cool. France, and South Korea. Canada, Mexico, but a cool project this year is we weren't really planning to sell franchises in America, but Kenny Roberts Jr. came to us, yeah, oh, okay. and that's a really cool name. Heard of yeah, him, yeah. and he wanted to start one, so we've been talking a lot, and he's going to open. He's we did a franchise with him. He's going to open right. up pretty soon in Bend, Oregon. Cool, that's oh, pretty cool. Wow. That's awesome. So, it, so as opposed to franchise, the other thirty-three are are owned by you guys and company-owned stores, right? Those, yeah, okay. yeah, and we run those, and and we're just always going to build them and. And yeah, keep it's going to be controlled by you guys, right? But now we're going to do a couple for We have another really famous motorcycle guy that's, you know, probably going to open one up. But I can't say the name yet, but it's really fun working with those guys. So you're the first American to win the Nürburgring 24-hour overall. Yeah, coolest thing ever. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. I mean, when we went over there to do a uh, an IMSA race, you know, on the Formula One track, we got to, you know, drive the old track, mm-hmm. you know, go for rides. And that is the best piece of road in the world. Yeah. So I started bugging Hans Stuck about the 24-hour, like, get me in, get me in, get me yeah. in. And the European guys, like the BMW guys, are like, no, American can do it. It's our thing. You yep. know, it's too long. They yep. can't learn it. Yep. 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 So so they, he got me in. I mean, it was all Hans Stuck. Mm-hmm. So then BMW was like, okay, he needs to learn it. Yeah. So I go over there, and they have two streetcars, BMW M3 CSLs, the lightweight ones. Yeah, right. And for two days, I drove these streetcars, had more fun than I've ever had in a race car, on a streetcar without a helmet on, just yeah. driving around <laughs> Nürburgring. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, then, then we did some warm-up races in BLN and did really good in the race cars, and it's just the best piece of road. But the first race in 03 was a complete disaster. <laughs> I thought they would never invite me back. Okay. You know, both cars, they packed dry ice because the pace lap, you know, the first time you go there, like, I go, Hans, let's go watch let's go watch the start. Yeah. And the, pace, the car's just left the grid. He goes, Buddy, we have twenty minutes before they get around. <laughs> you know, the pace lap. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So they were really worried about the cars overheating. So they packed the front radiator with dry ice, right? So the cars wouldn't overheat on the pace lap. And what it did was it it I remember we were watching the start. Hans was in our car and we were up in the tower watching and on the pace lap it froze the Russell fittings on the transmission cooler. And broke. Oh, so wow. all the oil came out, yeah, and both yeah, yeah. gearboxes went, one on the pace lap and one half a lap into the first lap oh, of the race. Oh, man. That was the start of BMW's return to Nürburgring, yeah, right. three. It was like, oh, shit. So we were down a lot of laps. Yeah. So every time we were in the cars, we were running, like, qualifying, just right. trying to catch up. Burning it down. But I was the first one in, like, 3 in the morning going down in the foxhole. I, you know, passed the car. I should have waited. Yeah. And he turned. he didn't see me and turned in and. Hooked me in the right rear, and I right. dumpstered the thing. Yeah. I mean, I drove it back on three wheels thinking, if I get it back, it won't be so bad. But <laughs> it was freaking done. Yeah, right. And, man, I, I, that was the lowest point in my racing career, going back in the hotel room at the Durand at, like, 4 in the morning, 
girlfriend's like, what happened? I wrecked. You know, they're <laughs> never going to have me back. It's <laughs> over. Right. You know, but then, you know, I was fast enough where Charlie Lamb got me back on the following year. And um, we finished first and second. I was the second place car. And then the, in 05, I won. So it was yeah. it was really cool. I mean, that was, to me, one of the coolest races I've ever won. Yeah. Yep. Awesome place. Yeah. So for the dads out there, uh, your son's 16 now, 15? 15. 15. And he's racing carts. He just started carts this year. I, I never thought he would be a racer. You right. know, I mean, he was never a team sport guy, like skiing, snowmobiling, and dirt bikes. Yeah. And then this year, and even taking him to K1, he was always good, but he didn't want to go there. He didn't bug right, me to right, go there. Right, right. And I never pushed him. And then this year he goes, Dad, I'd like to try outdoor go-karting. I'm like, oh, okay. So okay. I rented a cart one weekend. Yeah. And he loved it. And so now he, it's something fun to do. You know, I go, I'm more nervous because I'm the mechanic and the crew chief. And, yeah. Right. And, and, we're karting, kinda, and it's not like you know carts. I don't know carts. Sure. So I'm on the phone like with Joey Hand every five minutes. <laughs> hey, Joey. Hey, Joey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's been really good, helpful. Right. Um, if the time comes where he decides, you know what? College isn't interesting. I want to go racing cars. How much are you willing to spend on him racing? I guess it would depend on the determination. Yeah. Because, you know, racing, I've seen kid, kids like Mark Martin. You know, Mark Martin wanted his kid to be a professional racer. And he, he retired because of that. You know, that's what, why he retired, to focus on his kids racing. But he always had it for his kid, and his kid had the best of everything, but he didn't have the drive. You're right. You know, and to, to make it in racing, you have to be willing to cut your arm off, you know, mm-hmm. like we all did. Yeah. Right? right. And coming from nothing, just wanting it more than anything, you you figure out how to get it done and yeah. get your ride. I mean, Racing's a cruel sport because unlike stick and ball sports, it's easy to get your shot. You know, if you're good enough in golf or tennis, you're going to get your shot. In racing, the hardest part is to get your shot. And then once you get it, you got to make sure you have the talent. But it's hard to do it with no experience. Yeah, right. Right. It's a cruel sport unless you have the name or a lot of money where you can do it. And I don't I love doing it, but I would have to see that driving him to want to do right. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, and I, right now, I don't know if he has right. it. He loves doing it. It's fun. And we have a great time doing it. But I don't think he's sure i guess right. i would guess no he won't be that guy so like yeah. kane and o'connell uh johnny's son right he is determined he is trying to make it work and johnny is committed to spending zero on right. his racing yeah, saying right. like no you're gonna have to earn this yeah. but if your son shows a true willingness you're willing to help him out somewhat i yes okay i would i mean i, I remember when he raced with his kid i forget where I mean, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I, would, sure. I, I would love to Does do that. that bring you out of yeah. retirement. That would, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. It would be really cool to do that. Yeah. But I, I think Johnny's right in saying that. But I bet you if this kid did show it and, and he saw that drive, like, you know, I'd rob a bank to do it, he'd probably mm-hmm. help him. Right, right. And that's probably how I would be. But I'd have to – you'd have to see that. Because I don't – you know, I just – it's a tough sport. Right? Your, your dad was a pretty big name race car driver. Did a lot of really big stuff. You say he took off when you were a kid. I was six when he left, so yeah. I, I never knew anything about my dad. Right, I knew he raced, but I didn't know what you know. And when I started racing, is when I learned more about my dad than ever. Right, because everyone told me the stories, and yeah. that's what I knew nothing about him. So did that, you guys ever reconnect? We did when I was like thirty, racing for Milner. Uh-huh. He showed up at a race. He came, you know, before, and it was. Hard, you know, and Milner got on me. That's your dad. You better be nice to him. But <laughs> it was hard because he left me and my mom right. you know, yeah. broke, yeah. right, my sister. So I, I felt like I was betraying my mother by being sure. nice. But I, I was cordial to him and nice. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he wasn't around long and he died. Yeah. So, but it, to me, he was a stranger. Yeah, know, it, right. wasn't, well, it was your dad and name, but it, Milner was more of a father to me than sure. my dad was. So, so yeah. when, when he left hard. at six, like he disappeared. It disappeared, wasn't Disappeared, yeah. yeah disappeared yeah. and all of a sudden now you're somebody and he shows up right yeah and then yeah. he asked me for like a quarter of a million dollars to do oh, oh, f- f- i was trying to be yeah. nice and then i was just like yeah yeah he was like, a bad dad 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny. When you're a kid, I never thought about it. Yeah. I didn't think I – I mean, I had a blast as a kid. I was a delinquent. I, you had a dirt bike shop at, like, 20. Yeah. I mean, I had <laughs> more right. fun. I couldn't have had more fun. Yeah. And I never thought about not having a dad. You know, going to Little League without a dad, I mean, that was sometimes you think about it. But until I had my kid is when I started thinking about it more. Right. I mean, he was long gone then. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, there's nothing that would stop me from being with my kid. No matter if mm-hmm. my wife turned into a monster, I would still be around for my kid. Right. So he he was definitely a broken guy that way, probably. Yeah. I, mean, not, I don't know how you could just leave your kids. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like you've taken it pretty seriously that now that you're a father to really. I have a blast with my. I have more fun with my kid than anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we just we right. like two peas in a pod. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Does so he still have the big fro? Got the big fro. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're not short on hair in our family. Right. If you guys are like dirt biking, are you a bad influence because you're still not going to lift, so to speak? And like, if he tumbles, he's going to recover a little quicker. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was Roger DeCosta, who's a, like an idol of yeah, mine. Yeah. He's a customer of ours. Oh, cool. Just sold him a brand new car a few weeks ago. Right. And and it's funny because he taught me something when I was 12, Roger DeCosta. And when I told him the story, he freaked out. You know, <laughs> when I was 12, I went to this big pro motocross race in Unidale, New York, with these older kids. Mm-hmm. And they let me come in their in their truck and stuff. But they were in a bar, and I'm sitting in the truck, you know, at 12 years old. You know, it's 9 o'clock at night, and I'm just sitting there, like, bored, waiting mm-hmm. for them to come right. and uh, go back to the campsite. And I go, I wonder if Roger DeCosta's at that hotel. Because I had this little Suzuki shirt on, yeah. sipping cycles, Moreau, Connecticut. So I go over to the hotel, and I go, Roger DeCosta's room, please. And they gave me the room number. <laughs> <laughs> and I knocked on his door at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. I go, could I have your autograph? And he took me in. He was so nice to me. Signed my shirt across the thing. Yeah. And I and I think that really helped me understand to be nice to fans yeah, always, right? Because right? yeah. it made a big impression on me. 100%. And when he came into my dealership a couple of years ago, you know, to buy a car, I'm like, because oh, Roger DeCosta. <laughs> so I went. I have that shirt. Yeah. Still have it. I brought no it way. In. You still have it. I brought it, it in. And so... I told him the story, and he knew exactly who I am. He knows yeah, racing. Right. Yeah. And I brought him up to my office, and I told him that story, and I pulled the shirt out. No it was way. like this big, and yeah, I showed it yeah, to him. Yeah. It's in my office today. And he's like, you know, and that, you know, he's European, a little different. And he's right. like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool. So we have a, we do a pass-along question, so everybody gets one, and then we pass one along to the next person. I have no idea who's our next. Yeah, yeah. normally, yeah. like, as you experienced last October, normally this is part of a big road trip, so right. we know who our next guest is. Yeah. We're kind of piecemealing it all year this year, right. um, so we don't know who our next yeah. guest is, yeah. but our last guest uh, was Jeff Bodine. Yep. Yeah. And, and so we actually didn't know if we were going to be able to get you or not, so we had him ask a question specifically for one guy, and then we gave he gave us a generic, and it's, right. and it's fine. Uh, if you could have done something else with your life outside of racing, what would it be? Professional golfer. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. And reasoning? Uh, I like it. It's a hard sport. Fun. Yeah. They make a lot of money. They go to nice places. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They stay in nice hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so our next guest. Yeah. So we don't know who our next guest is. I like. I couldn't even tell you yeah, who it no, might be at this it's point. Miles so. away, but. Um, you have any good? Yeah. Any racing questions you like to ask racers? And they're not always drivers necessarily. Yeah. It's team owners, journalists, Chris Willis, you know. I would ask, what's the favorite car that you drive right now on the street? Acura NSX. Oh, that's <laughs> a good answer. That's great. All right. Some guests we ask this question of, some we don't because we know they'll never give us a real answer. Um, yeah. Today in 2019, if there was one guy you could punch in the face, who would it be? No consequences. No consequence. Although I think even with you, even if there was, well, I'm no, pretty money's sure you could money. back. Money's oh, money. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, okay. And things and end change. of episode. <laughs> Episode's over. Proceed. No. no. <laughs> no, one guy. Wait. One guy you could punch in the face. Let's keep it in the paddock. It can be NASCAR or sports car. Maybe not. Okay. One guy you could punch in the face would definitely be Paul Genalozzi. <laughs> I had a feeling Good. that's where this is going. Okay. Yeah, but he'd sue you. He would. Yeah. So the hair's a big deal. Um, what are we talking for product? What are we putting in that thing? Uh, whatever's in the bottle. My wife just, buys it. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. No dippity do or anything. Just <laughs> whatever's <laughs> in the bottle. Do. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe like slicked, slicked it back or try to straighten it out. One time in ESPN, the girls in the makeup room did it. Yeah. And they had a good time with yeah. that. One. <laughs> right. But I usually just wash it and shake it. Yeah. And then also your hair. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the running jokes we've had this year is because we're doing a lot of people in NASCAR. When Lally went to race NASCAR, he got mistaken for the other starting park guys quite right. often. So did you ever get mistaken for somebody else in the NASCAR paddock, like as a driver? Nope. The only person I ever got mistaken for was Howard Stern. That was it. <laughs> that's that, that's, that's that's beautiful. Even better, that that's yeah, even yeah. better than what we had. But in NASCAR, yeah, but I, every, I actually see that. But no, like, for sure. In what yeah. context? Tall, curly hair. No, no. I understand. <laughs> I understand how you can be mistaken. But like, I would never look at you, even if I didn't know who you were. I would never look at somebody that was tall with curly hair and immediately assume that's Howard Stern. Right. Right. Um, like, airport? were you somewhere in an airport or like? I was in walking a radio in an airport actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He huh. swore I was Howard Stern. I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Howard Stern would say. Right. How okay. sick are you of hearing people say who said? Oh, I mean, not, you know, it's funny. When that first started to happen, it was kind of creepy because <laughs> uh, there were a bunch of 40-year-old guys saying who said, Boris said, yeah. they're chasing you around. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr., they have all these girls yelling their name. I got, I got a bunch of 40-year-old guys wearing wigs. Yeah, yeah. But then after thinking about it, I mean, they're just out having fun, and yeah. I'd probably do the same thing you right. know, yeah. You know, yeah. for Dale Jr., so okay. it, it was creepy at first, but then it was like, yeah, it's, at least it's positive. Yeah, right. It's nice. yeah. So it was kind of, it was, it was all right. Right. <laughs> Have you ever heard a story about you that you knew was wrong? Like, you know. All the time. Yeah. I don't know how many times someone said, yeah, I saw you drive that Ferrari at blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm like, yeah. I've never driven a Ferrari in my life. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> but he believes it. So, yeah, right, that yeah. was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I was like, well, he believes it. But I'm like, man, he's got me mixed up with somebody. Right. You know, and. Yeah, so that happens a lot. Yeah, sure. Uh, we could spend four hours talking about how things have changed in today's, especially in sports car. If there was one magic thing you could change, whether it's how they're doing BOP, drive rankings, whatever it is, is there one thing that you really would like to see go back to how it used to be? Get rid of the driver aids. I mean, I hate driver the pilot aids. shift. Okay. Yeah. I hate the ABS, and I hate the traction control. Yeah. You know, I think that's made the drivers so equal. It's good for gentlemen drivers. Mm -hmm. And I get his progress, you know. I'm sure people are like, you're going to drive a car instead of your horse? There's no way that's reliable, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's just how I feel. I think that era of gated shifters and matching the revs and, you know, you watch how Senna drove at Monaco in that lap, you know, mm -hmm. the way he drives. Just that, that seemed like it took a lot more talent than it does now. Yeah, so, for sure. But it's progress, and I understand that. and just more old school. I got nothing. So you sat down with us really not knowing what the hell any of this was. Um, for somebody, and I don't know who doesn't know your story, but uh, for somebody who sat down, listened, didn't know who Borsed was, what would you want the legacy to be for somebody that's new? I mean, I just feel lucky. I got to do what I love to do. I mean, racing, I think, is a privilege. You know, when I used to look at 
sitting on the grid at the Daytona 500, I would sit and think, man, only 43 people in the world get to do this. And I wish more could do it because it's a freaking blast. And I remember watching people like Dorsey Schrader when I was driving to the track in my own showroom stock car thing. And, man, what it must be like to have a car like that and a team like that. And you're, you're just wanting it. And then you don't realize it's real easy not to realize how good you have it when you're there. Right. And I, I – I got so lucky that I got to race so many different things, you know. A lot of people gave me crap, though. Oh, you never really concentrated on one thing enough or, you know. But I think you I, did okay. I loved, I loved what I got to do and drive what I got to do and won, won a few races, lost a bunch of races. But, I mean, I had more fun in those 30 years than I ever, had in my, I ever thought I'd have in my life. So I just feel like I was lucky I got to do it. Yeah. Yep. Do these folks have any idea who you are? No. Did we out you? No. A little bit by I don't think they're not. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't care. We added Dan Banks at his bar. Yeah. You can't. Enjoy. No Groupons here. That's all. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> That's your thing. Do you have a? Are you like a TV guy at all? Yeah, I love TV. Yeah. Oh. What, what do you got on the DVR? Uh, Billions is my favorite show. I love okay. Billions. Oh, Dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm fun. all in. Billions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could just like put the drip in and go into that world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is so your good. wife a TV person? Nope. She's not. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the Worst show that you're embarrassed to say that you like? The worst show? That you're embarrassed to say you like. Uh, housewives. Like housewives. Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Everyone makes fun of me for that, but I like it. It's, yeah. it's Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah, I like cool. it. All right. I got nothing. Connell's got the check. Meow, 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 meow. I'm finished. Yes, Boris said, a hero for both of us. Hopefully you enjoyed. Also, shout out to a few folks who recommended we uh, grab them, and uh, hopefully this met your expectations. Mr. Benjamin Johnson, Greg Chrome, Jennifer Thompson, Jim Utter, Joel Nance, and Ray Octor. Uh, we will close out with a song called Fading by a good friend of Ryan's. Her name is Kara DeNorcia, and you can find this on YouTube.
Marching home and rapping in your arms 